show is about to start in 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. You'll be fine on the mountain. It's time for Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Built by the Barnumidium Company, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey, and part of the Chief Sports Network. Juice Wells, all the way, touchdown Gamecocks! Pressure, and he just dives in! Carolina will look to keep it that way coming up on Saturday night, the final game of the season. Greetings and good morning. Welcome aboard and welcome home. Inside the Gamecocks, the show live from the Sinorama Studios, built by the Barndo Co. and, of course, served by Chicken Cock Whiskey. It is the Gamecocks town. A no-loss November is turning into a November to remember, if all that makes sense. JB, JC, and Phil here until Two o'clock this afternoon, we'll be joined in about 15 minutes by Pat DeMarco flipping spots today with John Whittle, and John will come up in the noon hour. It is rivalry week. The Gamecocks defense wins it for them on Saturday over the Wildcats, and now they look to get bowl eligible by beating the Tigers for their second straight year. We'll be on it all week long here. We won't be on the air on Thursday, of course, with Thanksgiving but certainly will through Wednesday and then again on Black Friday. Men's Hoops takes care of business this weekend. They win the Arizona tip-off 5-0, and and they asked last night kindly 
to please sell out the Colonial Life Arena next Tuesday when Notre Dame is in town. I got a feeling, guys, if Gamecock football can beat the Tigers at Williams-Brice on Saturday night, you might be looking at an undefeated November for football and basketball combined. Right now, they're all 11-0 when you take the women and the men on the the hardwood and the football team on the gridiron. It's been quite a special November here in the Palmetto State. Glad to see everybody. Glad you're here. Happy Thanksgiving to all of your families. JC and Phil, the year has flown by, but there's one big one left. You finally got two in a row again over Kentucky, and they're certainly going to try to do that again on Saturday against that team from the upstate. Yes, like I said, the week of the North Carolina game, um, you wait all year and all summer, and then all of a sudden you blink, and we're sitting here talking about Clemson. Just how it goes. It's crazy. (laughs) It goes by way, way, way too fast. But, uh, you know, this is what it's all about. This is a rivalry game that oftentimes has nothing more than bragging rights on the line. Uh, You know, Clemson obviously had some stuff on the line last year with a playoff berth. Uh, and this year, the Gamecocks have a bowl trip on the line. So it's uh, it's one of those things where the season's going to come down to this game. Um, I'm not saying that there's no way Car- – there is a way Carolina will make a bowl at five and seven, but a lot would have to happen. And I haven't – I have not dug into all the scenarios. Uh, I know Florida State's quarterback getting hurt and them having to go play in the Swamp next week probably would not help that cause because the Gators could very well win that game now. But – uh you know, certainly a lot. Of, there's always a lot on the line when you play these guys. Uh, both teams uh, are hitting, they're playing their best football of the year at this point. Uh, especially, you know, South Carolina. Clemson's played good defense all year. South Carolina's defense has stepped up. Uh, I think the Gamecocks offense did have a bad game Saturday night, but hey, when you play Kentucky, that's what happened. Happens. Georgia gave up 16 to the – I mean, Georgia scored 16 against these guys last year. So, it's uh, – you get in their spider web, and unfortunately Carolina did Saturday night, uh, but they got out <laughs> and survived. Uh, and and with as many ugly games in this series, the Kentucky series that's gone – that have gone the other way, including 2021, last time they were in town, uh, you take it and you move on and you get ready for the Tigers. So, that's uh, – uh, it should be a good week. And I, and I think anytime you're trying to, I don't know, build a program, get positive momentum, gain relevancy, it's, it's important to play meaningful football in the month of November. And, you know, this year it didn't really set up that way until this week. Uh, and now here we go, meaningful football in November. It may not mean a lot nationally, uh, but there is something on the line. And when you have a program – uh, that you're trying to get going, you want to have these inflection points and these moments where all right, it's just more than the score of the game. It always is when you play Clemson, but then there's that added uh, postseason thing on the line. And a, and a winning streak at home at night, too, that I think is now at, what, nine games, JB? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think so. so. I think that's where it is. Uh, yeah, the, in the defense, you know, going in after the Jacksonville State game, Phil, there had been 16 straight games in which they had given up 20 or more points. Going back to last year when they only gave up 14 to guess who? The Kentucky Wildcats on the bluegrass. And then now the last two weeks, a total of 20 points has been given up. And while some may dismiss that as only Vanderbilt or only Kentucky, both of those teams got their season low 
in points versus this Carolina defense that I know that Shane has downplayed it and uh and and I understand why he's doing it and it makes sense. But the turnaround came when they decided to go to that three man front and get more athletes on the field. It's relieved the second, third levels of the defense. You can tell those guys are playing a lot more confident. They're playing faster uh, and they're playing smarter, to be honest with you. And and Phil, the game, the Gamecocks weren't going to win Saturday night unless they came up opportunistic and opportunistic. They were now nine turnovers combined in the last three games for this D. Yeah, you could take that. Uh, I like the new look. I like the the whole concept behind it, the personnel that's on the field. But I mean, you you can't say enough about those turnovers Saturday, man. <laughs> that's what won you the game. You know, I mean, yeah. it's 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 a huge difference maker. It is every time. Um, it, it, it's almost as if you had stored up all your turnovers right throughout the year <laughs> until November. It's kind of like with runs, right? Yeah, it's just it's the opposite. <laughs> we're, we don't were banking up, them for November. <laughs> don't use up all your runs or your turnovers, right? So that's right. Yeah. Not now, too early. <laughs> it, 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 here's the here's here's and look, I'm str- I, I am really analyzing this game this weekend and looking at both teams. The, the Clemson game. It, it's this is not a favorable matchup for the Gamecocks when you talk about their strengths versus South Carolina's bugaboos. But there is one big part of it, and you can ask any Clemson person alive, and they'll tell you this. Like they don't, when they don't win, they've usually turned the ball over a ton. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When they don't turn it over, they usually win, and they're pretty doggone good when they don't. Uh, even Dabo has said that. Um, this offense they run under Garrett Riley is a little bit different in terms of they spread you out a lot more than Kentucky and Vandy did. Um, you know, it, it, it's weird because it's it's an offense that, you know, they spread you out, but they they need to be able to line up and run it with Moffa and Shipley, obviously. They've been that way for about three years. How long – those two guys been there since like the 70s? I mean, <laughs> Shipley and Moffa, <laughs> here we are. Third straight year we're talking about those guys. But um, uh, they uh, they have not won a game in an outdoor stadium away from home this year. The only one was at Syracuse, and we saw Dino Babers uh, got sent to the golf course full-time uh, this weekend after getting fired. Uh, you know, so they haven't they, – they've been better at home just like the Gamecocks have, and uh, it will be a raucous environment unlike NC State or Duke or wherever else they played. So – uh, that's that's another part of it too, an intangible. But it's uh, it's going to be a big challenge, bigger challenge than than the last three. I can assure you of that. Yeah, the Tigers are averaging about thirty five points per game in those three home wins this month in November over Notre Dame, Georgia Tech, and over North Carolina. To your to your point, JC, you know it, there are some matchup issues here for for South Carolina. Uh, and they have been playing better. That offense that really struggled throughout the season, you know, I think Kate Klubnick has come a long way. And when they run the football in that offense, they, they, they'll they'll generally be okay if they're not turning it over. Well, Shipley ran it well this weekend, 18 for 126, now that he's back and healthy. And the Gamecocks going to have to find a way to stop that. You know, if Kate Klubnick's the guy that has to go out and beat you on Saturday night, you'd rather you'd rather take your chances with that than have Will Shipley, Shipley and Phil Moffa going up and down the field, unless they're planning on fumbling it around like uh, like Moffa did last year uh, on special teams. But, look, hey, man, you know, here's the thing. 
South Carolina's got some matchup issues for Clemson, too. Let's just be honest. There ain't nobody in the country that can cover Xavier Leggett, period. And let's also be honest. They hadn't seen a quarterback like Spencer Rattler, who already beat them once last year on their own turf after after making a crucial mistake early in the game. And what did he do? He just nutted up and came back out and punched him in the teeth. And, you know, so if you're Spencer Rattler, if you look at the history of this program and the quarterbacks that are basically always, you know, if they wanted to run for governor like Connor Shaw or Stephen Good or or Steve or one of those guys, go out and beat these guys for a second time. And Spencer Rattler will probably be able to do anything he wants within the borders of our state for the rest of his life. I mean, so, you know, there there's some things there that, you know, this this team – Credit to credit to Shane Beamer because when things weren't looking good, his positivity was a thorn in the side of those who were just negative. And they couldn't take that. But boy, it sure is nice to see when he's winning. And you know, if you've listened to this football team talk, the players the last few weeks, what who do they sound like? They sound like their head coach. That's who they sound like. And if they sound like their head coach, then obviously whatever whatever he brings to the table has infiltrated into that locker room. And they take on his personality. And they just go out and play the next play and the next drive and the next series and the next quarter and the next half and the next game. And they just keep going. And they and that two and six record, it didn't phase them like it phased the fan base. They just went out and played ball. And here they are at five and six with a chance to go to a bowl game very similar to the third year under Steve Spurrier, except for one big difference. That team was 6-1 and one to open the year, and then they <laughs> fell flat on their face. This team was 2-6 and six to open the season, and they've done nothing but get better. So, you know, hats off to Kane and his staff for continuing to push the message and the narrative that they wanted to push, that they felt like their team needed to hear, because here they are with a chance to go and they've got the team from the upstate in town at night with everything you want right there. It's going to be, we know what it's going to be. So congratulations to them. The offensive line on Saturday night, I know it wasn't their best game, but you know what? It was still their third game, and they came out of there healthy once again. So, you know, I, I we're going to hear a lot of it this week, guys, JC and Phil. We're going to hear a lot of this nationally about all these matchup problems that Clemson's going to present. All of a sudden, because they won a couple games a month ago, you know they, they weren't any good. Now all of a sudden, they won a couple of ball games, and once again, here they are. They're the freaking they're, they're Georgia. All of a sudden, I'm not going to let that happen around here because the Gamecocks have some tough matchups for them too, and they'll they'll show that on Saturday night. It's a confident defense coming in as well, and I wouldn't discount guys like Jordan Strawn and T.J. Sanders and Debo Williams wanting to go out there and leave their nuts on that on that field for this football program. Well, that's the thing. That's the key. South Carolina's defense actually, if they if they play like they've been playing, and, and look, Clemson's not a team. But th- th- this is not the 2019 or 18 Clemson Tigers where they're going to sit there and, and throw a bunch of bubble screens, and all of a sudden, boom, a bomb's going to blow up in your face. They don't really do that. They'll take a shot every now and then. They're, they're almost if you're if you're if you're pulling for the opposite team. They're a frustrating offense to watch, and a lot of teams are like this because they'll go three yards, uh, yeah. five, and then third manageable, and, oh, there's a little screen for the first down, and they just dribble, dribble. It's like Kentucky almost, but this is not – they're not bunched in tight like Kentucky and 
doing all the motion. It's a spread, but it's a it's a it's a it's a weird spread. I mean, not a weird spread, but a a running spread, so to speak. So, um, you know, I think uh, you know, I, I think South Carolina's defense, uh, although this is a different type of offense, uh, you're, it's still this. It's still stop the run, slow the run. And if you do that, and like you said, JB. Make Cade Klubnick beat you. Um, he, he's he's been better, uh, but uh, they're not great. They're not they're they're not as good a receiver as Kentucky. I'll be honest. You got to stop Tyler Brown, and you got to worry about uh, Beering Stool at tight end because they will. Another sneaky, frustrating part about that. All of a sudden, you'll look up and number ten streaking across the formation, catching a first down. And you hadn't even seen him the whole game, yeah. uh, you know, but. Look, Carolina's they've Carolina's not stopped Whip, Will Shipley since he's been at Clemson, so maybe this is the year they that, that they do that and, and all that. You know, I think uh, I think as we said before November, winning is kind of contagious, and you win and win, and the challenges have gotten steeper every week, and they've answered the call because they're com- they're more confident than maybe they were when they lost four games in a row. So that's uh, or five in a row. Um, so that's uh. No, it's four in a row. So that's a, you know, we'll see what happens. I, I, I think it's a, you know, it, it should be a heck of a ball game. Um, you know, there's just a, there a lot, uh, there's a lot going on with this game, just like every year. And so we'll see what happens. We got to hit a timeout. Pat DeMarco will go inside the fill room talking ball with the Gamecock great when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Down here in the South. We don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate, we can all agree there's nothing better than a southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in southern soil, are crafted by southern hands, and proudly represent the south in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Electric Bikes of Charleston offers the most fun you'll ever have on two wheels. Magnum, Velotric, Aventon Bikes, and more. And they sell to consumers all across the state and offer outstanding warranties and service after the sale. Five levels of pedal assist plus a throttle help you handle the southern heat better but still get great exercise. Bikes are available all ages and sizes. ElectricBikesCharleston.com or stop into their store in Mount Pleasant. Electric Bikes of Charleston, powering inside the Gamecocks, the show. Golfers and wannabe golfers, former Gamecock golfer Meredith Taylor is now a full-time golf instructor in the Midlands of South Carolina. In-person golf lessons are held at the Country Club of Lexington. Half hour, hour, on course nine or 18 holes. And if you're outside of South Carolina, Meredith conducts virtual lessons. Just send in your golf swing for analysis. Gift cards are available for in-person one-hour lessons. Connect on Twitter at Mayor Taylor and find her online at McKellarEnterprises.org. Her email is on the website. Schedule your next lesson today with Meredith Taylor, former Gamecock golfer. Today, 
Not today, sweetie. One heart's breaking while another one is mending. It's all in the ebb and flow. If I had to, I could go it alone. But because you've become my It's time for Talking Ball with Pat DeMarco on Inside the Gamecocks, the show, part of the Chief Sports Network. It's 11:23. Here's a guy who knows something about beating that team from the upstate. Welcome back once again on Monday. Pat DeMarco, who usually this is John Whittle. They don't look anything alike. John will be here in the noon hour today in Pat's spot. But Pat's got some things going on here. It's Thanksgiving week, and uh, we're glad to have him, brother. Yeah, appreciate you adjusting the schedule and letting me get on. I'm uh... – Rolling down to Orlando to see the parents this afternoon for Thanksgiving and then pounding back up here on Friday. Going to watch us uh, spank the boys from the upstate on Saturday and then go into Atlanta to watch my Falcons take care of the Saints on Sunday. So we got a busy week. This is like the greatest week of the year in my mind. I love this week. Uh, I love everything about this week, especially when you're winning. Uh, it makes it even better, including the kickoff of the of the holiday season. Pat, what's better, beating them up there or beating them in Columbia? What's a better feeling? I mean, beating them here in Williams-Brice Stadium just so you can celebrate and uh, see the joy on all the fans' faces around here. I mean, this game um, always means a lot, but I think it, this this one might mean a little more um, than most, and especially in the past. Just I mean, I mean, last year meant a lot because we broke the seven-game losing streak we had to them, and we did it right in front of their fans, and we're able to celebrate on their fields. Um, but – uh, there's nothing like hand, taking care of business at Williams-Brice Stadium, especially in a big rivalry game. All right, going back to Saturday night, Pat, and then lumping it in with what happened the week prior against Vanderbilt. I'm, I'll just make this statement because they deserve it. Yep. How about that Gamecocks defense? They're playing some ball. Um, kind of the, the, the um, all these different looks that they're throwing at teams and kind of the different movement patterns. Um, I mean – they're kind of coming into their own, and, and my God, Bam Martin Scott's out there playing at a high level. Uh, Jordan Strong played, uh, I thought, when it came to pressure from the quarterback and wrecking havoc, he played one of his better games. Um, I mean, Nicky Mignore, holy cow. Like, he kind of fit into where he played last year, kind of as that enforcer role, cleaning up everything, playing very physical, um, striking the fear in, in some of those receivers. Um no, I thought it was a – this was collectively as a defense, probably our best game of the year. Um, mm-hmm. And, no, it was good to see. I mean, the 
everyone was involved. Everyone was playing at a high level. And I, I mean, sitting in the stands, I could feel the physicality. Um, and this was definitely a game that you had to be physical. I mean, Kentucky, if, if they were going to have their way running the ball and they would have, but we were able to kind of slow that down and, and try to make that quarterback beat us. And the quarterback had a good arm, but he just, um, he was very hit or miss from a location standpoint. Yeah, I, th- I thought Jordan Strawn had his best game of the year. I thought Nick had his best game of the year, Pat. I thought I thought Jordan Strawn had his best game of the year. Yeah, I mean, you know what? I texted both of them um, yesterday and kind of told them congratulations. I felt the passion that you played with, um, and immediately they both got back to me um, and said, appreciate you, Coach. Um, you know, it means a lot coming from you. So it, it was cool to – I mean, that's what – I mean – you know, we have social media nowadays where everybody praises and tells them how good they are. But I think when you can become intentional and, and let these guys know that you really are proud of them and, and the work they put in, and uh, especially coming from a former player that left mile on that field too, um, I mean, strong. Like when we get to these clips, the, the first clip and the last clip of the game kind of showed you the energy and the juice he was going to play with. And, I mean, he, he dang near knocked Coach Beamer out too when he came and celebrated. <laughs> he, he sent him – he sent him on his heels quick. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a big boy. Yeah, hopefully uh, Beamer's not a concussion protocol after that hit he took from Strong. I know that she, I know that Shane has you know kind of you know shied away from getting into all the details. But Pat, I, mean, I mentioned this earlier, and and I, I, I'm um, anxious to get your take, a qualified take over mine. The the three three five that they they have been playing more of. Um, it 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 seems to me. That watching the second and third levels of the defense play in that, they just seem like a more confident group out there. They yeah, play well, freer. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I think it, – it, it, and, it, and it's confusing as heck for the quarterback too, which – and it's confusing for the center. Like, where's the pressure coming from? They have all these bodies out there. These bodies are moving around. I mean, Bam is a linebacker. He can kind of play on the edge too. Um does that, and I think it like it gives you an extra defender too. You can line up and, and make it seem like you're rushing four or five, and then drop them all and kind of just blanket the zone. Um, I will say it seemed a lot more like we've had secondary. There's been a, a second line of defense back there instead of just kind of getting in that cover zero, or that cover one look where everybody's kind of on their own. Um, I think it allows you, it protects you too, and, and I think when you know you're protected, you can play a little more free. You know that there's an eliminator back there that's going to that has your back. All right, on the offensive side of the football, not a lot of offense Saturday night. But, you know, when you have one seven and you have seven, you know, good things yeah. can happen. And I, mean, I, I thought the first quarter Spencer played at, a, at the elite level that we've seen him all year. I mean, he – the first two or three drives, he was very methodical, moving the ball, very good ball placement, ex- extending plays with his feet. I mean, he picked up. I mean, I bet if you go back and I mean, you've gone back and watched the whole thing. He's he's probably picked up three or four big time third down conversions or second and longs with his feet, and um, kind of got us some better situations. And yeah, I mean, honestly, if if I'm quarterback and I was actually looking at um, the cumulative stats and kind of individual stats, I mean, X has 1,100 receiving yards. The next closest guy has 350. Um, yeah. So we are we are very um heavily invested in in um in Xavier Leggett having big games, but 
when we've needed the help, we've had it. I mean, um, Trey Knox had a big catch. Marion Brown, you know, he catching those little bubble screens and those inside routes. He's able to do something with the ball. And then um, and then the backs of the backfield have been uh, – I mean, we're, we're going to watch the clip. But how about DJ Braswell, man, with that blitz pickup on that touchdown pass? Um, big time. So, I mean, no, we're – we're hitting stride, you know, we haven't, I mean, and Beamer might've said this, or I'm sure he will at some point, but we haven't played our best all three phase game of football yet. Um, you know, we've been good on two phases and bad on one. We've been good on one phase, average on two. We haven't played three really good sound phases of football for a complete game yet, which um, hopefully we're saving that joker up for uh, Saturday. Well, that's exactly what they're doing. And, yeah. You know, I mean, we, we know that. Store it away and use it when you need it. Yeah, that's exactly what they're doing. Speaking of Leggett, by the way, just in from the Tallahassee Quarterback Club Foundation, Xavier Leggett, shouldn't be shocking news. One of 10 receivers named as a semifinalist to the 2023 Blitnikoff Award. And um, the winner of that award will be announced next month. So looking forward to uh, seeing maybe he can – have one more big game that might be able to wrap this thing up for him. He's got 1,187 receiving yards. He's now second all-time only to your your buddy, Alshon Jeffrey, in a yeah. single season. Who, um, did it, who did it in 14 games? Who did it in 14 uh, games, yep. Yeah, so. Xavier yeah, might was, have two games to still get that record, too. Yeah. Maybe I'm wrong. What's up with the NFL? I, I look at these projected draft picks, and you played with Julio Jones, didn't you? Yeah. Right, Freaky so Freaky tell me, tell me the difference right between Leggett right now, not not Leggett last year, right now, yep. and Julio. Um, I mean, I'm sure Julio is a little bit. I'm sure he's better, but I, I just I'm just trying I'm trying to figure this out because yeah, Xavier's I mean, not really moving up these draft boards, and I'm like, this guy's a freak. I mean, I've talked with uh, I've talked with a few scouts over the last couple of months. I mean, and he's he is. He's a lot more on everybody's radar. I don't know if it's it's if it's showing on the draft boards and you know, but these scouts notice him and they hear him. Um, I would say the big the the biggest difference. I mean, granted, I played with Julio when he was the year three four in the NFL, so he like Julio was just an elite route runner, um, and, and 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 X runs good routes. It's, it's just I haven't. I mean, the skinny post he ran when he scored the second touchdown, that was a pretty elite route. That dagger he ran was a pretty elite route. But I think in and out on Xavier's explosive plays, let's get the ball in his hands and see what he does afterwards. It's not necessarily I'm running a choice route and I'm going to dice you up and I'm going to win bang, bang right here, right now. A lot of it's secondary wins in times where he makes a, you know, Spencer breaks the pocket and him and Spencer are on an elite communication level on when they extend plays. I mean, those two are dangerous when the pocket breaks down. Boy, you, Dude, you nailed that one. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I love well, every, it. Every time it does break down, I'm looking, we're 17. You yeah. know, just follow him. And he's – Phil, if you can, go ahead and squeeze some of that video in here because I know we got to get Pat out of here in about the next 10 minutes or so. Um, yeah, we have our uh, we have our office uh, Thanksgiving party today, so that starts at noon. So that was one of the other reasons oh, we had to move this. Office up. parties are the best, man. Yeah, man, I'm gonna sit there and be driving to Orlando with about 16 pounds of food in my stomach. <laughs> yeah, you don't want to be uh, late to the office party. Here you go, Jordan Strawn, uh, Pat, early in the game, first quarter. Yeah, I mean this is um, I mean this is what that three three five front three three five front does to you. It's kind of an overload to the other side. They show pressure. 
with who's that? Jace uh, Kilgore down there, or Jerron Willis? One, one of the there's another edge guy. So they're basically in a four man slot going left, and that puts Strong one on one. I mean, it's a manipulated look. Like you know, when you get that extra guy, that 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 right guard is turning back. So you have they have four for three on back that backside, and then Strong's one on one with that tackle. Um, and you know, he might not win right off the bat, but he sits there and he kind of clubs back by and he falls back in and makes a play. Um, the uh, yeah, it, I love the movie put on as soon as Leary decided to go take off, too. Sean put his foot in the ground, came back and said, Yeah, you're not going, you're not, yeah. Gonna I mean, he kind of he kind of like goes with speed at first and then he turns it into a long arm and then he counters his long arm and pounds him back through and, and falls back underneath. I mean, that's that's elite, right? Because you're supposed to you rush the edge and you make sure that there doesn't that the quarterback can't get you on the outside. And then when you see him step up, you retrace. I mean, the term retrace is used in every facet facet of football, but that was an elite play. And I mean, here, here you got um, I mean X on a double move, and I mean, and this this is this is a pretty elite route. He sits there and he breaks his feet down. He sees that safety or corner set his feet and break down. And boom, right over the top. And X, probably one of the best high pointers, um, ball skill guys in college football right now. Um, mm. up there in high pointing it. I mean, just that's embarrassed him. That's good. Um, <laughs> I mean, you go back, go, go back. I want to see the the pass protection. I think this was the one. Uh, I can't even pull it up. You're talking about the one that Braswell picked up. No, that's or, the second one. Yeah, um, that's a little bit later on, but this was, um, think was it Nick Gargiulio kind of does a good job of sorting it out here um I think they run a game no it's um no it's the right guard it's it's Trevon Ball does a really good job he's a part of the slide here um and I mean he helps Gargiulio down inside but he sees that backer scraping up over the top and I mean you're told pass it off with your eyes vertical and he does exactly that I mean if not then this linebacker who pressures late is right in Spencer's face in this um elite throw right here Oh man, elite throw, elite move. That guy didn't. He got embarrassed. Yep. He's on. A, he's on a poster, uh, not because of he got posterized, but because he's falling down. Yeah. Well, I mean, oh, yeah. I mean, his coach was like, "Why didn't you just tackle him? Like, yeah. If you're going to get beat, just tackle him. Let's have the penalty. Don't give him a touchdown." Here's the pick by Eamon War. He finally got one. Yeah. I mean, and and that's the beauty. I mean, Debo Samuel obviously one on one with the back right in space and like that's what that's what they're told to do. A lot of linebackers are told like, hey, quarterback's right there in the face of you. Don't try to make a move, just bull rush and push the back into him. And that makes the quarterback get the ball out. And Nick, you know, when you got a safety who's six three, two hundred and twenty pounds, you you honestly what he doesn't want to do is get boxed out here and be behind the guy, especially with the end zone and and, and being in the low red here. Um, so he does a good job playing right underneath him and then Nick six three just goes up and high points and makes a play. I mean, this was um, this was big because this honestly has you going, you know, tie ball game or, or potentially dropping down. So you're taking points off the board. And then uh, I think that we end up getting three there on that drive or no, no, no. no. But way to keep way to keep them off the board going into halftime. Yeah, big big play here too. I know it kind of cut out on us a little bit there. This is third and fifteen, Pat. This is what allowed him to come down and take the lead. Big play. Yeah, I mean this is um, this is like probably the most standard third and long play in all of football, and it's it's basically a clear out by number two, and then a dagger out from the outside guy. So you have 
in the middle of field or kind of split safeties, but you have your inside receiver just whoosh, running through the middle and clearing everything out. And then you have your outside receiver kind of just coming in just outside second level of the backers and kind of finding and that gives Spencer a spot to really find the place to rip it into. So carry out the two deep guys. And then you have a dagger coming in right underneath, right behind the backers. Um, and I mean, this is one of those, that was one of those plays where, I mean, Xavier Leggett, that's, that, I mean, it's a lot deeper than the drag route he ran. We had that big touchdown uh, against Furman, I think it was. But I, I thought he might have scored on that one, on that one right there on that dagger. Yeah, he had a, he had a chance to break it. He scored on this one here. This is the pickup by Braswell. Yep, I mean, pretty elite for a uh, freshman. I call him a rookie, a freshman running back to come in. I mean, you, you expect those guys to be able to run the football at a high level, catch the ball to the backfield. But the biggest question mark when you bring in a high school recruit is, man, does this guy understand protections? Is he? And, and kudos to Montario Hardesty. I know that he has worked really hard with those guys over the last three years to polish their pass protection and, and sit in there and be able to know the rules. And, and you know, Coach Loggins coming from the NFL, like that, that third down meeting in the NFL was – pass protection meeting was one of the – more confusing, in-depth, deep meetings that, that we have. Um, I mean, and, and DJ Braswell stepping in there and making that making that pickup. And then X kind of what he does is he runs and steps on that guy's toes, kind of sticks him outside and breaks across his face. And as soon as I think Spencer sees that, um, that DB open his hips up, he rips it inside. Final, final play we'll look at here, and this is the big play by Strawn. It falls into the arms of Tonka. And Shane said it perfectly after the game. They, they needed their stars to be stars on Saturday night, and they were. Yep, they showed up. And, uh, I mean, J- Jordan Strong was one of the – I mean, when I got there two and a half years ago or maybe even close to three years ago now, um, I knew he was a transfer from Georgia State. Obviously, I knew Coach Elliott. Um, I looked up his stat line and saw everything he was able to do at Georgia State. Um, and I don't think he'll mind me sharing this, but I kind of challenged him a lot in that building. Um, because I knew he was uber talented. I knew he was wired right, but he was hurt, hamstring, hamstring, hamstring. Like he just had a lot of issues because he put on some weight. And in spring ball, I was like, man, are you like, what's the deal? You just, uh, you scared about playing here at the SEC or, or what's the deal? Kind of pushing him a little bit and getting in his head. And um, and he chatted right back at me and he's like, I like you. He's like, y- y- you're wired like I am. You want, you You like to be pushed. You want people to push you. Um, and sure enough, like he's he's always answered the bell. He's played at an extremely high level for us. Uh, all three years he's been here. Thankfully, he came back after going down uh, early last season. And, you know, Tonka, I joke around, but Tonka might have some of the best ball skills on the team. You should watch this guy catch punts and kicks and stuff in practice. He is, he is an impressive human being, um, but strong here. Wins with speed, really good using his hands. And then I think all you guys at some point have seen – um, corner guys run the hump, but what he's doing is he's running the hump, and then they have these dummies that are practice where they have these arms, and all of them are taught to swipe at the back arm of the quarterback, swap swap at the back arm of the quarterback, and and here we go, and perfectly executed. Um, and then Tonka, being the elite athlete he is, like there's no doubt is that a is that a fumble? Is that an interception? There was no gray. If 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 it, if it was a if it was a throw, it was picked off. If it was a fumble. It was recovered. So um, leave no doubt, and that's exactly what they did right here. Way to finish the game, guys.
Well, there's no doubt that they're five and six. They've taken two in a row over the Wildcats. Things are back where they are supposed to be in that series. And now the Gamecocks are going to look to start a winning streak against that team from the upstate. Pat, we'll let you run on this note. But your final thoughts going into, into you know, welcoming the – well, not actually, no, I'm sorry. They're, they're, they're really actually not welcoming Columbia, Columbia but they're going to be here anyways. Um, Clemson uh, with three wins of their own in a row here in the month of November – and uh, South Carolina with a three-game winning streak looking to make it four. You've played in it. You get it. You've coached in it. You get it. We all understand it. Yeah, uh, I mean, I think, like, as, as a competitor, like, do you want to get Clemson when they're down in their dumps and, like, and they have no confidence? Yeah, but, I mean, I tell you what, I think the even the, – the better time to go take care of business is when a team is hot and you're hot and you're teeing off basically for bowl eligibility for opportunities for 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 trajectory of the program um to kind of not right the wrongs but i mean there were a lot of there were a lot of haters out there um kind of talking poor about this program this program the football team like coach beamer said nobody can kind of deny the culture of this program um and i don't think anybody can deny williams bryce stadium and the advantage that we have playing in that place uh it was electric uh, on Saturday, and it's going to be to a whole nother magnitude come this Saturday, and um, it's not going to be a friendly place for Clemson to come in there and play. And 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 I'll tell you what, me and my son, and my, I think it's just me and Weston are the only two going to be going to this game. But we're going to be two of the more rowdy fans in the stands, uh, raising hell because you know this is a, this is a big one for us, and. And um, I think Beamer's going to have them prepped up and, and all the coaching staff's going to have them prepped up and, and hyped up for this game. Um, no, I'm, this is good. This is one of my, I'm, I'm fired up. I don't even know how to, yeah, but this is a game that shit. I wish they'd give me an extra, give me a pair of shoulder pads and helmet for this one. Well, they might, they might, I'll, I'll, I'll plead with the fans too on this note. Be first of all, plan to get there early because mm-hmm. President Trump is going to be in town this weekend. That's number one. Number two, get in the game early because security is going to be different, and they'll also be recognizing the seniors. And guys named DeCarion Joyner and Trey Knox and Spencer Rattler and Xavier Leggett, Juice Wells and others deserve every ounce of applause that they can receive from 80,000 people on Saturday night. Yeah. So get there early and cheer these guys on as they run out of the tunnel one final time. Yeah. And enjoy enjoy Falcon Saints too, because people don't people understand that's a rivalry as well. Yeah, and yep. the Saints will bring about five thousand fans mm-hmm. up from New Orleans. No, it's uh, that was one of my favorite places to play when I was when I was in Atlanta was the uh, was the what is it Mer- their Mercedes Benz Dome? What, what was it called? And yeah, but I mean the stand up and get crunk song that they had going had the away team getting crunk too. Yeah, <laughs> well, if if the Falcons get the win on uh, on Sunday, they'll be in first place in the South. Yeah. So, uh, so I, I'm going for your foul. And my bills bounced back yesterday. It's a so, big one. Yeah. Oh boy, they needed that. Yeah, yeah, you got that right, Pat. Safe travels to Orlando. Give your family my best, and um, look forward to seeing you next week. But first and foremost, happy Thanksgiving uh, to to you and Kirsten and all your children. I hope y'all just have a wonderful week, man. It's a great week, great time of the year. Likewise, thank for you guys and having me on. Always. See you next week, brother. See. You. There you go, Pat. 
DeMarco inside the Gamecocks talking ball with the Gamecock legend. All right, uh, final quick timeout here in hour one. We Boy, we got a lot to get to. We've barely even gotten into basketball. we got John Whittle ahead and so much more. So please stick with us. We are presented in part today by our friends at Gamecock Traditions. Probably a good time to go buy yourself something warm, garnet, and black to wear on Saturday night under the lights. Williams Bryce. And we got to talk about the New Mexico State Aggies. Oh, yeah. We'll get there. We'll get there. Hang and, tight. And, and the App State Mountaineers. We'll be right back. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. This holiday season, you can give a gift like never before. Hey guys, it's JB. Rescues and Resin produces custom-designed wood and resin products. From tables to wall art, coasters to cutting boards, and pretty much anything you can dream. Proud Gamecocks and veteran-owned, Dustin and Tabitha are creating products that will blow your family and friends away when they take the wrapping paper off this Christmas. Check them out in the Chief Sports app now to get your custom order in before it's too late. Rescues and Resin are also proud supporters of Carolina Rise and proud partners of the Chief Sports Network. Rescuesandresin at gmail.com or in the Chief Sports app is where you can find them. Change your gift-giving game today by ordering a custom design through our friends Tabitha and Dustin in Rescues and Resin. company is Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. We are based in Columbia, South Carolina, and we have two lines of sauces and a spice rub. I mean, when people try our product, they know it's a gourmet product, and it can go on any type of food. It's not surprisingly delicious. It's expectedly delicious. The State Farm Personal Price Plan helps you create an affordable price just for you. Contact local agent Gary Patterson for your personal price plan today. All right, who wants to party? Are you fired up now that the Gamecocks are playing the Tigers to go to a bowl game Friday night at the Rockbridge Club? It's the Palmetto Cocktail pregame party presented by our friend Bill Goss. 
former Gamecock basketball player for many of you that might not know that. And Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. Too much Sylvia, the band. You got plenty of food, hors d'oeuvres. You got barbecue, dinner. You got drink tickets. You'll have a cash bar, like an actual cash bar. You got to bring actual cash for this cash bar, which is a good thing. Cannot wait. It's going to be a lot of fun on Friday night at 4135 Rockbridge Road in Columbia, South Carolina. Buy your tickets. Like, if you want to take your family something fun to do, this is an easy, easy, fun party, the Palmetto Cocktail Pregame Party. Just pull up the Chief Sports app on your phone and click the party button, and then you can buy your tickets right there. Buy however many you want. Uh, The Palmetto Cocktail Pregame Party this Friday, presented by everybody's friends, Billy G's Carolina Barbecue. Go ahead and get those tickets. Get them right now while you're thinking about it so you don't forget it's going to be in Columbia right there in Forest Acres. All right, uh, we've got John Whittle coming up. We'll get back into Gamecock stuff, but um, elsewhere around the SEC this weekend, guys, it was – I'd call it probably interesting if you would like to – if that's a good word. Uh, You, of course, had Georgia – Take down Tennessee. The ball scored first. And they thought they had a chance, but they didn't. The dogs thumped them 38-10. to 10. Family took care of Chattanooga. Florida hung in there, and you thought, oh, man, this might be something big here. But uh, chomp, chomp, game-winning field goal for Harrison Nevis and the Tigers late in the game to get their ninth win of the year. Ole Miss beat Monroe. LSU beat the, you know what, out of Sean Elliott in Georgia State. Mississippi State, three-touchdown victory over Southern Miss. Texas A&M beat Abilene Christian 38-10, to and Arkansas beat Florida International. I think I got them all, right? Oh, did I miss one? Of the game. Oh, I must have missed one. Let's. Oh, New Mexico State walked into the Plains and beat Auburn 31-10 to on My Saturday God. afternoon. Dear Lord My in heaven. Goodness. I tweeted out, too. Like I, I, said, I said this last week. Gary Kill is like a Greek tragedy coach. Uh and I'm look, he's got health issues, right? Somebody asked in the chat box, who's going to hire him? Probably nobody. Cause he, he just, unfortunately with his situation, he can't consistently. I mean, he's got times where he just can't be there. Right. Um, but that dude, Clint says he was man enough. Hell yeah. He was the, the Aggie. That, and, and look, Mike Morgan can shed light on this. He's been to Las Cruces. He's been there. Um, it is, it is. It's probably one of the more. It's probably the worst job in in FBS, or one of them, because it's just in the middle of nowhere, New Mexico. There's not a lot of talent in that state to begin with. You got to go JUCO transfer portal. I mean, whatever you could find out there. And the guy's been there two years. They went to the first bowl, I think, in 17 years last year. I remember watching. It was the the Quick Lane Bowl in Detroit. I remember watching. It was the only game on, and I had vertigo and. You know, all I could really do during that point, point time period was was uh, have a few beers and watch football with one eye, and so I put a little money on it and I won. <laughs> and so I remember that from last year. Uh, but going into an SEC stadium like that, controlling the ball like they did, you know, holding Auburn's offense, which has been up and down, to what they did, that's disciplined, freaking grinded out football. And and then yeah, you know, they won, but it's not like they won by a point. They went by three touchdowns. I mean, that's like a – and, folks, look, when I used to cover national recruiting, one of the most rabid – like, like we all think – Carolina does have a rab, rabid fan base. But you don't talk about rabid like like the sky is falling, like you don't want anything to go bad because these people will implode. Is Auburn. I mean, I cannot imagine 
owning an Auburn website and talking about Auburn this week. Uh, right. And just right when you thought they were hitting their stride. I mean, they right. beat the dog doo-doo out of Arkansas on the road. And you come back home and, I mean, I don't know what it is. I mean, I, I think – Hey, part of it's kids these days, man. You gotta you gotta be able to hit the right buttons or something like that'll happen. I mean, it's it's and and Hugh Freeze probably I mean, and I, I did say it was a close game. I didn't think that would happen though. Don't don't give me credit for that one. Give me credit for App State because I picked them. But uh don't give me credit for that one. I didn't see that. I didn't see that three touchdown win uh in in on the plains with as good as Auburn's been playing with Hugh Freeze as their coach. I mean, it's that was that's worse than anything Brian Harson did. <laughs> I mean, I, I think um, he was not in trouble or anything, but uh, man, oh man, what a what a win! And, and on Jerry Kill, if he hadn't run into the, te- the the health issues, he was winning enough at Minnesota. I think the guy ends up at Notre Dame, Michigan, someplace like that, uh, because that was the logical next step, and I think he would have won. He's one of those guys that's worked his way up from the bottom, like Brian Kelly. And I just can't say enough about him as a man and a coach. You know, he he's one of those guys that life gives you lemons, you turn it into lemonade. And that's a hell of a pitcher of lemonade they're drinking in Las Cruces, New Mexico right now. Um, heading to their, I think, their league championship game. They're nine and um, three. Yeah. And they're nine and three. I mean, and look, people, people I got I got somebody asked me today, like, is Liberty will it be Liberty or Toledo for the group of five? Man, I don't know that New Mexico State shouldn't. I mean, even with three losses. I mean, I I, I don't know that that win does not trump all when you're talking about the group of five it, and it won't, you know, I mean, it, somebody else will go, but man, oh man, you, you do not want to play the New Mexico state Aggies, um, which is a significant team in Gamecock lore. If you think back about 23 years ago, uh, Carolina had a 21 game losing streak and the team they snapped it against was the uh, university of South Carolina fighting Gamecocks. No, the New Mexico state. <laughs> my, yeah. my ex-brother-in-law still has a piece of that goalpost. By I, the way. I uh, if I don't know if you have paid have y'all paid attention at all to uh, the um, bowl projections. I, you, I, I saw Carolina and App in the Gasparilla Bowl. Well, I, what I was getting at for New Mexico State is, uh, according to the fine gentleman we know that uh, resides in North Carolina, Brad Crawford, he's got in the New Mexico Bowl, New Mexico State. Versus Wyoming, which I think would be a really, really neat matchup between those All two. eyes in the, the Bradford household will be glued to the television for the New, the New Mexico Bowl. Wow. They'll yeah. be – I'll tell you this, though, and, and this is not a knock on Jerry Kill and his program because they're they're still building. Wyoming will have more fans at that game than oh, New Mexico yeah. State, There's even no. though it's in-state. <laughs> yeah, no, I, sure. I would absolutely agree with that. There's a Pop Tarts bowl. I saw that it, this week. It weekend. used to be the Cheez It Bowl, I think, and they changed it to Pop Tarts. Rotate through foodstuffs on this. What is it? Next year is the Golden hey, Rams. Golden I just Rams. I want I want to get out front of this. I'm a big believer in that. I love Pop Tarts. My wife doesn't want me to buy them for my children, and I understand why because they're just loaded down with sugar. I'm a big believer in Pop Tarts. I think they help you live longer, not less. So for for whatever that's worth. Um yeah, I, JC, I don't know that you're wrong about that. Uh, New, New Mexico State, like, it's not like they're just a, uh, it's not like they're just real, it, it, in my opinion now, it's not like they're just a good story. Like, I've now seen enough football that they've played 
because um, I've gone back and checked on a little bit of it here and there, and then I've certainly saw some of what happened Saturday. To know that they actually have just an, a pretty good football team, like their defense is good. Have you seen the scores this year? I mean, they, they don't give up points. Uh, they're very well coached, very well coached. So that was neat. That was neat. Good for good for um, good for them. And you know, those are the losses. Those are the losses. And I know we got to get a break here, but that loss, like you said, that doesn't do anything. You know, for I mean, this is Hugh Freeze's first year. Like, yeah, they're all going to be pissed, but th- th- that does literally like nothing. You know, anybody walking out of there going, I don't know if he's the guy. That does nothing for that until you get three years down the road and you still haven't figured it out. It's it's that that feeling that has never escaped. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's the, the that's the loss that gets buried as it happened. But then you look up in twenty twenty six and you go, w- why are we five and five? And you, and then you don't know why you feel that way. But it started in twenty twenty three when you got beat by New Mexico State. Those are the losses that comes back to bite in three years. But for right now, it literally does you not. Know, yeah, uh, Auburn and Auburn's been playing dangerously through the years. I mean, I remember. Undefe- uh, going to overtime with Jack State a couple years ago. Uh, and I think in this exact Sunbelt Saturday slot, uh, Georgia State had them beat a few years ago on the Plains. Uh, so they've been living dangerously with these types of games. So maybe a lesson. I'll remind all you Auburn fans out there, because I know there's a couple that listen, <laughs> that live in South Carolina, that, you know, love me. Nick Saban lost to Louisiana Monroe at home his first year in Alabama. And he lost to UAB at home his first year at LSU. And UAB hadn't had a dang football program for like eight years. So take solace in that, my friends. If the, if the goat if the goat is not above dropping one like that, neither is Hugh Freeze. <laughs> oh, we're on to bowl names now. I thought this was the mid-December conversation. We'll definitely. <laughs> All right, we're out of time. John Whittle up after the anthem. We're built by the Barndoco. And we'll be right back. Hey, Gamecock fans. Mike Morgan here. During my time in Columbia, one of my favorite places to eat was Salsaritas. When I go back now for work or any other reason, it's still Salsaritas. Yeah, I'm like you. I love tacos. I love Tex-Mex. Where are you going to go to get them? Well, you've got two convenient Salsaritas locations, one in Lexington at the Target Center and one in West Columbia as well. Now, if you like tailgating, and who doesn't? Whether it's for a football game or anything else, they've got the catering hotline. Get yourself some Fiesta packs to take tailgating. Get yourself the Three Amigos bundles for tailgating. They make catering easy with a fresh, hot setup. And again, you just call the phone number, 803-543-6297 to set it up. You can also look them up online, or you can even download the app. Salsaritas is just a cut above the rest. That's why they're serving williams Bryce Stadium and the South Stands, also serving in the Colonial Life Arena. Again, that catering hotline number, make it easy for you and the folks out there. You don't need to settle for sandwiches. Which is every time 803-543-6297. 803-543-6297. Shop Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Major discounts on treadmills, rowers, elliptigos, and more. Proud partners of Carolina Rise inside the Gamecocks and the Chief Sports Network. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com. 843-388-0999. 
Charleston Fitness Equipment this holiday season. Two inside the Gamecocks, the show. Welcome back to the Sinorama Studios. JC, JB, and Phil. John will be here in just a moment with the BigSpur.com, and we will get plenty into Gamecock football, basketball, and beyond. Uh, the our friends at Charleston Fitness Equipment. First of all, they they have been kind enough to allow Carrie and I to use one of their rowers which is fantastic, the hydro rower. And you can go find them on our app, the Chief Sports app. This is a this is a great like family gift. If anybody's looking for that big thing that they want, you know, collectively for the family this holiday season, they're $450 off right now. $450. It's like 25%. It's it's like it's it's like it's like a Peloton, but it's not. It's because you're on a rower, but you have the screen and you get to do the whole thing. So, if you if you're one of those families and look, not everybody's going to go out and buy a, a big, nice, expensive piece of exercise equipment. I understand that, but if you were planning on doing that, please check on them first. Doesn't matter if you're in Charleston or not. Their warranties and their service make it make it worth the drive. They'll figure it out for you. CharlestonFitnessEquipment.com cannot thank the Wilkins family enough for what they do. John Whittle joining us now with the Big Spur. Dot com after covering this weekend's victory over the Kentucky Wildcats and it is rivalry week. John, quick quick take here. What is the in your mind the best rivalry in college football? That's a great question. I don't know. There's so many good ones. I I love the Egg Bowl. Part of it being because it's on Thanksgiving. Um, there's always some kind of drama there, right? Uh, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, South Carolina, Clemson. Um, I don't know. I don't know. There's so many I enjoy watching. Ohio State, Michigan's one I enjoy watching. Um, 
those those would probably be be my my group right there. What about Army Navy? Um, yeah, yeah. My I mean, my grandfather was my grandfather was Navy, so I I I usually pull for them. Um, Army, I like their uniforms a little better usually. But but I, I love the uh, I I love the uh, just kind of the 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 pageantry of it all the showcase of it all yeah. Um, yeah. so that, that's always always fun to watch a little bit down the road. That's it's so the week there's no other football either. Yeah, I mean right. and it's it's like we have the guy that owns the tavern Nat and I go to one of the owners it went to Navy and was actually on the '84 Car- uh, Navy team that beat Carolina. So I get a load of crap from him every single time I see him because he, he was the defensive back on that team that, that ruined Carolina's season. Uh, but he he goes all out, man, and he'll he'll get like a bunch of Navy gear. And I, so I got like three Navy sweatshirts and stuff. He's a converter. He's an evangelist, if you will, for the midshipmen. Uh, and so we watch it every year up there with our friends. And I, I, I've gotten into it a lot more lately. And, John, you hit the the Egg Bowl. People don't understand the hatred. Yeah, uh, the, the, the those two schools they don't they don't that, that's what they got. I mean that that's kind of <laughs> I mean they they really Mississippi State's been to one SEC championship game ever in '98 and Ole Miss has never made it. But that that Egg Bowl that's that's their that's the game in that state and they absolutely cannot stand one another. No, you're you're exactly right. <laughs> You're exactly right. I, I love the way you phrase that too. What 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 else do they have there? What what, what else is there in, in Mississippi to to uh, like that? That's it. I mean, that's, that's a big deal. Dove and Duckham, and they have some nice casinos along the coast. But that's and, and a bunch of lawyers. Well, that's true. I've I've read all the John Grisham <laughs> novels. I look. I I I don't. I think I agree with you because. But see, here's the thing, though. If you ask, the, and we'll get we'll get into Carolina, but if you ask that question to essentially anybody above the Mason Dixon line that's in sports media, or it's just a fan, but if you're in sports media and you cover it, you know you, you we pay attention, you know, right? That's part of part of kind of part of the gig. You, you will you will. I don't even know if if the word rarely is correct. I don't know that anybody who covers sports above the Mason-Dixon line would ever even – they'd probably name 20 rivalries before they ever got to Ole Miss and Mississippi State. But we understand it because we're from down here where all of – you know, outside of Florida and, and Georgia, South Carolina, you know, Mississippi, Alabama, I mean, Tennessee. Like, for the longest time, all these states, that's all that they had. There, there was a time where the Tennessee Titans didn't exist, right? You know, there. So, like, there was a time where it was only college football, and that's all you. Had. So, like, we get it down here, but I, I think if you ask that same question to somebody in Ohio or somebody in who's covering college football in New York or or Wisconsin or something like that, they'll never say the Egg Bowl because they don't understand being in a state that doesn't have anything except for that, like you were saying, JC. Okay. Well said. Thank you, John. I appreciate yeah, that. I was, looking for, I was looking for a pat on the back, and JC went. Hold on. No, I, I was trying to unmute my. I'm, I'm kind of. I'm trying. I got my mic a little better situated today, so I don't look like I'm always looking down. And uh, yeah, but it's cramped my space. So to get my mouse to unmute it, 
I was I, I guess press release had to copy and paste. Uh, anyway, I was working and I'm, I apologize for that. But no, no you're absolutely right. And, 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 but that, that's what's made the great rivalries in the South. That's why the Iron Bowl is what it is. And, I, and if, if you had asked me, I'd say I'd rank Iron Bowl one, Ohio State, Michigan two. Uh, but the Egg Bowl would be in my top five. And, and another one in my top five nobody talks about uh, that's out of our region is Oregon and Washington. I always thought, well, the Apple Cup and the Civil War, that's Washington, Washington State. And by the way, kudos for those athletic departments. They signed a deal. They're going to keep playing even with yeah. Washington going to the Big Ten. So I respect the hell out of that. Um, and then, but, but you think the Beavers and Doug, you know, the in-state, uh-uh. That's a miniature Ohio State, Michigan, Oregon, and Washington. They hate. I mean, it's like, eh, eh, my, my buddy that's a Ducks fan, he's like, oh, well, he's like, eh, I don't like the Beavers at all. But I freaking hate you, Dub. And he didn't say freaking. <laughs> he's like, I hate, I hate you, Dub. So is I don't know what. Is your buddy a duck? He's a duck. Uh, <laughs> Justin Hopkins. You, you sounded like an actual <laughs> duck. Well, that's how they talk out there in Oregon. They they don't have. They, they're not like, hey y'all, welcome to Oregon. You know. <laughs> you sounded like Donald there. <laughs> nah, and the duck is probably one of my favorite mascots. When he when when he rolled on the field on the back of a Harley Davidson this year with sunglasses and a cowboy hat on because he's making fun of Deion Sanders in that game. I, I, I was it. He he wins mascot of all time. The, he's the goat. But look, it's uh, uh we need yeah. more John Whittle, not less. More John Will. Yeah, more John Whittle. We need more John. So that's uh, I'll, I'll shut up now. <laughs> that was just funny. That caught me off guard because you th- you thought he meant like an actual organ duck. He meant the actual you know like a duck, like, like an quack, animal, quacks and the whole like like, like yeah. peking peking duck. <laughs> you guys ever had that? It's interesting. Uh, That's awesome. That was very very well done. Uh, more good news. I mentioned Xavier Leggett just a little while ago. More good news from the Steve Fink University of South Carolina inbox here. Jordan Strawn named the SEC Defensive Lineman of the Week by the league one thing we won't be doing today is waiting on kick times because our final kick time has already been announced at 7 30 coming up under the lights of williams bryce stadium under the lights this past weekend though john it was the gamecock defense that got it done for the first time all year they carried the football team to a win yeah it was kind of nice to see you know that's a couple of weeks in a row of, of nice defensive performances they uh they they certainly did their job against vandy last week too um, but yeah, like a- absolutely, and and you know they they did it against a uh, good wide receiving core. They did it against a really good running back. They did it again against a decent offensive lineman or a de- decent offensive line. You know, Devin Leary missed on some on some balls early, uh, some some deep balls early. But I I thought that um, you know the the defense played played really well throughout. And it's not like Kentucky is uh, is uh, you know, hit on a lot of those deep passes this year. They're not a very explosive passing game, even though they do have have good receivers. Leary, for whatever reason, just hasn't hasn't fit in there well and has, hasn't really hit those shots. So it it was uh, it, it was certainly a great great defensive performance, and and as you said, exactly why South Carolina won. The I thought Nikki Shane said this on Saturday, and and he he hit the nail on the head. They needed in a game like that, like when you've you're having a def- difficult time scoring, big atmosphere, um, good good opponent, Kentucky. Uh, you need your stars 
to be stars. And while the at the end of the, the defensive numbers were there, the offensive numbers overall weren't. But at the end of the day, when you when you go look at the stat line, the stat line tells a story this week. Spencer Rattler, Xavier Leggett, Jordan Strawn, Nicky Mawari, Tonka Hemingway. These are your best players, and mm-hmm. you needed them to be their best, and they were. Yeah, you're absolutely right, and it's it's older guys too. Um, in, in that group, it's it's not just best, but it's 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 old guys as well. And you know, it's there. Some of those guys are coming to the the end of their career, and you know, they. I mean, they they want to they want to keep playing. And you know, Shane has said it all along that uh, you know it's a close team and it's a good group, and they've got they've got a uh, good culture over there. And you know, they they keep playing hard, and and they have all all season. They haven't always played well, but you. You can't look out there and see give up in, in them at any point. So you know they're they're fighting to get to a bowl game, and and I, I think they've done done a, a nice job. As you mentioned, like Nikki Manwari uh, stepping up and playing well. Like you know, last couple of weeks, you can kind of see it against Vanderbilt, and he he started he started to play a little bit better the last few weeks, and and looked kind of like the guy that was a freshman All American uh, a year ago, and we didn't see that early on or even midway through the season. I know injury was part of it at least early on, but but man, he's he's been good the last few weeks and and certainly uh certainly going to need that to continue to be the case here this coming week. Yeah, we we uh we, we're gonna get to the Tigers here in just a second. Now it's two in a row over Kentucky. It's their twentieth all time win against the Wildcats or twenty and fourteen and one. Uh this series has shifted back into the Gamecocks favor. Uh John when you when you look at Kentucky in in your eyes, what what type of win was that for Carolina? It, 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 essentially, how good do you think they were coming into the game? Kentucky's football team this year in twenty twenty three. I know they started out hot, but they've certainly had their issues. Um, they've certainly had their issues since then. And th- like it is rivalry week. But this is going to be the one team that the Gamecocks play moving forward in the SEC if they go to a 1-7 model. Even if they're in a 3-6, right, JC? They're still going to play Kentucky every year, according to what we know, right? So, Yeah, is, Kentucky and Carolina are going to play every year. No so what. isn't this a rivalry? I mean, this is this is like a – I know this is thing. it's a rivalry. Like, yeah. this is what it is. Kentucky – anybody see the Kentucky sports radio guys on the field crying after the game on Saturday night? That was that's shit. embarrassing. Like this means <laughs> something to them, you know. This means something to that whole state, and I just want to get get you to assess that as well. Somebody on our message board called him Blue Vandy. <laughs> 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 that, that made me that made me really laugh. Um, you know, South Carolina for the longest time treated Kentucky like like Blue Vandy. And you know Kentucky is is you know flipped it a little bit here here lately. Now that's that's uh, two in a row for the Gamecocks, and and I think you're starting to to uh, maybe see it flip back and 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 tilt into South Carolina's favor a little bit. But you know Kentucky when they've when they've won all these games recently, they've been a a more physical football team than, than South Carolina has, and and I don't know why that's been the case that consistently i mean they pride themselves on online play which is a, a good thing in, in the sec obviously and and uh they they've been the more physical team uh, you know the last two years 
certainly, certainly last year, not so much. South Carolina had, had really flipped that. Last last season's Kentucky team just wasn't to their identity. You know, this year was a lot closer, and I thought it was a, a much better battle uh, along the line of scrimmage uh, between between the teams. But you know, South Carolina is going to have to continue to to bring the physicality uh, when they play Kentucky because that's what Mark Stoops is about. That's why that's why they win the games that they do. But you know, Kentucky's also, um, you know, they've, they've lost a lot here in a row. That's now five out of six. Uh, but but at the same time, they've they've given some teams some good games. I mean, they did get run over by Georgia, and they did get run over by Alabama. Uh, they gave Missouri a really good game. I believe they were in the league going into the fourth quarter in that one and then didn't, didn't hang on. So, um, you know, I, I, I don't think that they're – I don't think that they're – a uh, a better team than South Carolina. I think I think they're a, a decent football team that you know South Carolina you know made made more plays in and and they South Carolina as I, I see the Kentucky folks talking about all their mistakes and and so forth. South Carolina left, left plays out there on the field too. They it, I mean they forced three turnovers. They could have easily had a couple of pick sixes as well. I mean that could have easily been a five or six turnover game there for the Wildcats. I, you just said it, and I'm glad you said it. I, I've said the same thing. Look, the game – this is my opinion, and nobody cares in the Bluegrass State. But Yeah, I we do. You got a three-hour radio show. We care about you. In the Bluegrass State. Not, not oh. here. Everybody, everybody oh. cares here, of course. Uh, they, I think that after watching those two teams play the other night, there, there are a lot of similarities. Neither one of them are an elite program in the SEC. The Gamecocks have a better football team. I thought it was pretty clear. I thought that I agree with what you said. I think that they probably should have beat them by more than three. Um, like those cats that were, you know, all boogered up about how'd they lose? Oh my god! Well, I'll tell you how you lost. You know, because you got beat. That's how you got. That's how you lost. But you know, South Carolina easily should have probably put another couple of touchdowns on the board. Heck, they would have had one more if it wasn't for a holding penalty that they didn't need to have on the two yard line or wherever that was. Um, so I just, you know, the quarterback in Columbia is better. They're, I think the running backs are pretty comparable. I'll be honest with you. Ray Davis had a better night, but he's also got a better front to run, run behind. Um, the wide receivers in Columbia are better. The tight ends are better. The secondary is better. I don't secondary, know. Yeah. I mean, do I need, do we need to keep going? So anyways, Kentucky's. Yeah, anytime you have a coach that's been there for a long, long time, they're going to always play no matter – they're going to play a certain way. Uh, Like I said, spider web team. Uh, And they came in and, you know, survived the early flurry, came back, took the lead, uh, and that's kind of what they do, you know, and and they've been successful doing it. But at the same time, you know, and you're listening to the KSR guys too, and and whatever, I mean, they probably – you, you had to know if you're Kentucky that that success against South Carolina is not going to last forever, because South it's just like when Carolina was beating Florida four out of five years. You knew it wasn't going to last. Florida's, for the most part, a better job, and you know there's job program team. Okay, South Carolina's a better job than Kentucky always has been, always will be. Uh, it's tough up there. You, you got to fight basketball. You got to fight the fact that there's only like three or four guys that can even step foot on the field in the SEC in your state every year. Uh, and yeah, they do a good job of getting the second tier out of Ohio and building lines of scrimmage. They're very resourceful. They're good evaluators. They get good players. They work the portal well. But it's a it is a program with a a ceiling that is much much lower 
than South Carolina ever will be. And and it doesn't matter, you know, that they've won seven Steve is what, seven and four now against the Gamecocks. Fine. Steve Spur had a winning record against a lot of teams when he was here. So the, you're at your peak. You've enjoyed it for a while. Now the Gamecocks have won three out of five. And uh get ready to I think I think Beamer's gonna do his best to continue to extend this because like you did point out, JB, uh the schedule's gonna start flipping every season starting mm-hmm. next year when it looks like they play in the SEC West. But Kentucky's always going to – they're going to be constant as the Northern Star. Yeah. And so you I, must beat the Wildcats. Yeah, I think, it's a, I think it's a rivalry. And I'm glad that it is a rivalry. It's good. It's two comparable programs, uh, and the record is just 20-14-1. and one. I think that's good. The one coming up this weekend is also a rivalry. John, what do you make of the Tigers' three-game winning streak? Well, I, I mean, I guess you have to credit Tyler, right? I mean, he's, he's the one that uh, that spearheaded this thing for for the Tigers. But, but no, I mean, I've watched them uh, here and there a little bit, you know, over the last few games, and uh, you know they've they've taken advantage of opportunities. You know, I thought I thought uh, there was a lot of opportunity for for North Carolina to to win that game, and it didn't didn't take control of it. Um, you know, Notre Dame same same way. I, I just. Clemson's played a lot better, but they've they've taken advantage of of some missed opportunities by by the other team as well. So, uh, I mean, this is a team that South Carolina should be very competitive with the, this weekend, regardless of the fact that that Clemson seems to be playing playing a lot better. Um, you know, they're not they're not a uh, infallible group. They they don't have the 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 playmaker at quarterback. Uh, from a consistency standpoint, uh, they don't have the same caliber of playmakers at wide receiver. That's not to say that these guys aren't good, that Cade Klubnick isn't good, and and that uh, this this group of wideouts that they have it aren't, aren't good. They're just not to Clemson's typical caliber. Um, and I don't think I'm breaking any news by by saying that. So um, this is this is uh, this is one that I think should be really really competitive on Saturday. Hey, guys, I don't know if y'all realize this or not, but in the last five ACC games that North Carolina has played, that's with wins over Miami and Duke and losses against Virginia, Georgia Tech, and Clemson. They have given up 37 points per game. So kind of same old, same old North Carolina defense after they got off to a nice start against our Gamecocks, App State, Minnesota, you know, Pitt, Syracuse, I mean, but they they really, at that point in time, it was a debacle for the Gamecocks. All those other teams, you know, Minnesota, not a good offensive team. Pitt, not a good offensive team. Syracuse, not a good offense. So it was really all hogwash. And then once they started playing some people that could score a little bit, they can't stop anybody again. Yeah, I mean, Clemson, um, Clemson got after him pretty good. I mean, look, of, of the three wins Clemson's had, Notre Dame's the most impressive one. And – because uh, Notre Dame had some advantages going into that one that, that would have been problematic, especially on the line of scrimmage. And uh, heck, I, I think Notre Dame went down the field in that one. They got up three nothing. They said this is going to be an easy day because we're Notre freaking name, and they're not well coached. I'll just be honest. Marcus Freeman has a lot of uh, coaching. Uh, he's got to get better at coaching. Um, and, and I'm not. I, I, Clemson won the game. Don't get me. I'm not. I'm not making excuses for the Irish, but. Clemson got up off the mat. Moffa runs crazy. They didn't turn it over, uh, and they're up 24-6 where Notre Dame had to catch a break. That's all well and good. That's also a home game. 
all three of you, Clemson's been at home just like South Carolina has. And we all know from going to games there through the years, it's a tough place to play. I mean, it, it's loud. They get loud and proud and obnoxious just like everybody else. So um, it's a little different. And, and, and you know, you, you nailed, nailed them on the head. I'm not trying to downplay their win over North Carolina. I'm just saying, you know, that's uh, there's always context to everything. Uh, there's always context to everything. You, at the same time, you look at South Carolina and say, Jacksonville Absolutely. State, Vandy, Kentucky, wow, bravo, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, on that end. Clearly. But but I, I, don't, I don't think – it isn't like Clemson all of a sudden – it's not like Clemson in 2003 when they came to town and whipped Carolina pretty good with a bowl on the line. Uh, when they had beaten Florida State and 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 all that good, and Florida State was third in the country, uh, and, and really gotten up off the mat. Um, I, I think this is just uh, them getting a little better. And, and and they, if they do not turn the ball over, they're tough to beat. If they do turn the ball over, they they usually get beat. And they've had an issue with that this year. That's what it all comes down to for Clemson. Luckily for the Gamecocks, they're starting to get turnovers all of a sudden after first what. Eight games, very little. Yep. So I think that's going to be a key too, John. What do you think with turn the turnover battle? Nine in three games. Yeah, yeah it's, it's it's a good total. I mean, it's it's what South Carolina's built their defense on the last couple of years coming into this. I mean, they've been very opportunistic. They they play a, a style that kind of lends themselves to turnovers, and and they practice the the kind of things that that you can to to uh, to force them. So you know, it's all kind of come to fruition here the last couple of weeks, and. You know, but these teams, um, at least Vandy and Jacksonville State, have been known to be turnover teams as well. Uh, and, and and Leary has had a lot of turnover-worthy plays uh, over the course of the year that South Carolina was able to take maybe more advantage of than maybe some other teams have. So, um, but Clemson has been vulnerable to to those as well. You know, they've they've stopped a lot of drives, especially in the red zone with fumbles. And yep. you know, South Carolina's done a a decent job of of, of creating. Those, those turnovers here lately. So, you know, maybe maybe that'll all come together. As you said, it could be a very big talking point at the end of this one. We have 20 turnovers. Clemson has lost 13 fumbles this year in 11 games. That is a lot. Bonkers. And uh, and they've uh, they've thrown seven picks as well. John, if, if Spencer Rattler runs out there on Saturday and beats these guys again, what does that do for him? I mean, re- re- passing yardage records and things like that aside, uh, that would be his final game at williams Bryce Stadium, more than likely. Uh, w- w- when we look back at Spencer Rattler, if this happens, where where, where is he? Where, where, do, where do Gamecock fans see him? I mean, he's, he's the most talented quarterback to come through here, in my opinion, right? I mean, J.C., will, I'm sure I have something to – to, to say about that one. I mean, I, I think Connor Shaw is the best college quarterback that, that South Carolina's had, but you know, in terms of just sheer talent and ability, I mean, I think Spencer's the best guy. And if you can, if you can beat Clemson twice, I, I mean, that's, that's certainly, certainly going to win him a lot of favor going forward. I mean, South Carolina is going to be able to kind of, uh, you know, hang their hat on Spencer and, and Spencer on South Carolina too. Cause you know, I, I think I said here, here last week, like South Carolina has been, been, uh, you know, Spencer's been really good to South Carolina, but South Carolina has been really good to Spencer as well. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, there's been, been, uh, great, great, um, you know, camaraderie there for, for, for the two sides. So I, I mean, I, I think that 
that uh, especially with a big win this week and and um, with Spencer potentially being a, a high draft pick, second round, maybe third round, and, and getting a, a shot in the NFL. Like, you know, Connor Shaw played a little bit. When, I mean, when's the South Carolina – when's the last time South Carolina had a, a, a – a good NFL quarterback. I mean, Anthony Wright was on the on some rosters, but like in terms of going out there and winning a couple, like who who am I missing? Nobody. Nobody. Wright had the best career. Right. Um, the last one that got drafted was Todd Ellis, and there were twelve rounds, or there were more rounds in the draft that year. So. Yeah, like Spencer's going to have a chance, and you know, I, I I think you add all all of it together. You know, his talent. You know, if, if he beats Clemson this week, the ability to beat Clemson, um, the, the fact that he's going to have an NFL opportunity, I mean, he's going to be looked on with, with with quite a bit of favor. All right, this is this is just for y'all to – and, John, we got to get some basketball in here, man, and then we got to get you out of here because it's, it's lunchtime. It's, you're, we're throwing you off today being an hour late. Um, if Carolina wins on Saturday, if they beat the Tigers for the second year in a row, that would put them at six and six. Clemson would fall to seven and five. That's a one loss differential or one win differential in the two records. Um, again, it'd be the second straight win for Carolina in the series. The Tigers, for the first time, and I don't even know how long, I think since 2010, would have lost five or more games in a year. The Gamecocks have scooped up every bit of talent in the state of South Carolina. Clemson does not have one commitment in the Palmetto State in the 2024 class. Would a victory tell – could we go as far as to say something bold like whoever wins this game will kind of show you the trajectory of both of these programs? One goes one way, one goes the other. Is that is that too bold of a statement? How would you view something like that? I, I think so. That's a that's a that's a pretty hot take there, and I, I'm not really a hot take artist, so I, I would I, I would stay away from that personally. Um, you know, Clemson Clemson won seven in a row, and uh, to think that something's turned off of off of two, I, I can't I can't make that leap. E- even though that I mean, even though Shane Beamer would have had two in in his three year career when you know he didn't really have a shot in that first season at all. Um, and, and really even being competitive, uh, I just I, I, that would be that would be way too that that'd be too far of a jump for me. Now, now it's uh, it, it's a nice little trend that you have going because you've you will have shown that you can can beat those guys. You will have shown that you can out recruit some of those guys and for 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 some of those top top players. And you're bringing in a really good recruiting class and really shoring up some, some weaknesses that you have, especially when it comes to offensive line with what you're doing in recruiting. So, so you can point that, that you really like the trajectory of your program. I don't know that you can point to it and say that, that uh, South Carolina's or that Clemson's is going down because South Carolina is going up. Um, you know, I, I can't, I can't, I can't quite get to that point, but I, you should really feel good about what you're doing if you're if you're South Carolina and, and Shane Beamer if you can if you can ultimately pull this one off. Yeah, that's, close, how, that's how they'll recruit, isn't it, JC? I, it's closing <laughs> the gap. I mean, it's what yeah. there's been a gap. Oh, I yeah. mean, it's closing the gap. Uh, but uh, there's no doubt. But I, uh, yeah, I mean, it, it takes a while, you know. And another thing you have to keep in mind: Clemson still recruits really well. Uh, who knows what they're going to do about getting the portal and NIL and all that? My guess is they'll reluctantly do it because they don't want to lose four games a year like they've been. Uh, they've got elite talent, NFL guys all over the field. Um, they're good. I mean, they're, they're not – this is a down year for them. But, you know, keep in mind, they're also an ACC. 
Is that? Don't, hold on a second. Is that the real Kelsey Corals in our uh, Nana Sports chat box today? Because if it is, and he's saying Carolina goes by fourteen, then I—that's it. We'll make our picks today, and let's get the hell out a lot of, of those teams, man. Yeah, he's Kelsey. Like Kelsey. Right now. The if pride Kelsey, of Greenwood. Then, yeah, I remember meet, meeting Kelsey when he was a sophomore. By the way, he's our junior at Greenwood High School. So shout out if you're well, the real Kelsey. Kelsey if that's if that's you, apologize. Apologies if uh, you think we're doubting whether it's really you. But there's a lot of weirdos out there that like to imitate people for whatever reason. In some of these social media things, so dude, I, I swear to God, God, yeah, I remember uh, going up for his signing ceremony, either either yeah. signing ceremony or, or commitment ceremony, one of the two. Yeah, well, he, um, Kelsey yeah, Corals would probably like to play against this Clemson Clemson offense this week. He was a that. year a year behind uh, Sam Sam Montgomery, who's probably one of the more interesting recruit personalities I've ever dealt with, uh, and DJ Swearinger was uh, on that team. So they had DJ, Greenwood and DJ Swearinger, Sam Montgomery, and Kelsey Quarles all at the same time. And of course, Kelsey's dad was an All-American, uh, I think, offensive line here, Buddy Quarles. So he's a Gamecock legacy yeah. through and through. So basketball, you guys got some basketball talk? Cause I, I well, they did it. win the tournament this weekend. I figure we should it. at least mention them. They're 5-0 to open the season here, John, for the first time since they went to the Final Four. Uh, when they went out there to Arizona, and um, uh, here I'm going to bring this up again. I'm going to patent this, so nobody nobody steal this from me if you don't mind. Uh, attack and answer, attack and answer. That's what they do. They attack, and every time somebody attacks them, they answer. And and that lead shrunk from 11 to yesterday, John. And we've watched that happen a lot around here over the years, and they end up getting beat. And you go, why? You know why? Who who they lose to? Why? We've seen it, right? They got down to two, no problem. B.J. Mack, Jacoby Wright, just run down the floor and hit a couple jumpers and, and then, you know, give you some cushion. So, look, three of their first five wins, neutral site victories. Probably got some quad twos in there, some nice wins early in the year. It's a it's a very, very impressive start for Lamont in year two. Yeah, it's not a challenging non-conference schedule for South Carolina this year by and large, but that one last night was was a good one. And the Virginia Tech was a good one. Um, but, yeah, they it was 11-point lead, cut down to two with 524 left in the game. And B.J. Mack scores 10 um, in that in that final 542. I mean, that's, that's solid right there. That was making free throws. That was making a, a three-pointer. That was uh, getting a couple of bully points in the lane. Uh, Jacoby Wright came through with a couple of big baskets after after uh, that deficit was cut to cut the two by Grand Canyon. I mean, those were those were some guys who who really stepped up in in big moments. And you know, I thought South Carolina did did a great job of of closing that game out. Um, you know, they were able to to break pressure. They were able to make free throws. They were able to make passes. They they played good defense and and. You know, I, it was it was exactly what you want a basketball game to look like uh, in in terms of how you how you close that thing out. So um, it was it was an impressive day all, all the way around, an impressive game all the way around. I thought from from uh, South Carolina when when they had some stretches in the first half when they didn't score, but were still able to to kind of manage things. Um, you know, they went uh, – it was a little over five minutes and then uh, – actually close to five and a half minutes. And then uh, right right about four minutes in in the first half of stretches without scoring. 
and, and still took a one point lead into halftime. So, you know, that was, that was a couple of long stretches with, with a few too many turnovers, a couple of missed shots, a couple of dumb things, but you know, you were able to kind of manage your way through it and then, then played a great second half. So uh, only one turnover in the second half, uh, that's been a issue for South Carolina this year. A little bit is is uh, if we're nitpicking is is turning the ball over a little bit too much and played a really clean second half overall. So I, I thought it was uh, thought it was a really good day. Eleven and zero men women football in the month of November. Eleven and zero those three programs in Columbia have a combined undefeated record. Forty five fouls called in the game last night. At, at times it was difficult to understand how you even qualify yourself as an official if you're calling fouls when people don't touch each other. But I guess somebody else have to sort through all that, John. So I know I stayed up. I stayed up on Friday night to watch the game against DePaul and there were 50 foul calls on a yep. game that tipped off after midnight. It was you're not lying, dude. I was up with you. I mean, I was up too. And I, I was, I was like, too. I wanted to crawl through the TV and choke somebody out. Yeah. The rest. Well, I, I don't know where all these guys came from out there. But there is zero reason to play two basketball games and have a combined ninety-five fouls called in those two. That is that's ridiculous. I they mean, like seeing themselves on TV. <laughs> well, there's nobody watching at two in the morning. I mean, I'm not exactly sure who they thought they were showing off to. Well, uh, there was there was a uh, I mean that wasn't even a Frank Martin coach team either, where they're just playing playing bully defense the the entire time. I mean, they were playing hard defense. South Carolina was, but it wasn't wasn't. Wasn't Frank Martin defense in terms of his style and how they do things, and which lends itself to uh, a few more fouls than most. Uh, but but man, that was tough. That was tough. It was yeah, it was pretty pretty mind boggling. I'll, I'll say this: we we'll get you out of here on this. I, I noticed something yesterday in w- with the social media accounts of Game Cup basketball, and I I can't remember the last time I've seen this, but it's got that it's got a football vibe to it. They're invite they're 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 begging the fans, come watch us play. Sell it out next week against Notre Dame. We're pretty good. Come watch us play, guys. You know, they're a confident group and they're a fun group to watch, and they're kind of embracing this thing. I feel like all you know, generally they're not good enough around here to try to beat their chest or anything. I'm not saying that's what they're doing, but it's like, well, you know, let's see how we're gonna do before people show up. And th- this group isn't doing that. Like John, they they they're begging, please come watch us play. We can play. We're good. Fill it up. I hats off to Lamont and his group for embracing that. And I sure as hell hope a week from tomorrow night that it's sold out at Colonial Life Arena. They're asking for it against Notre Dame. That's the next game they play. I hope they get it. Yeah, and and uh, I I re- they they've liked this group for a long time, and I think that's why. Lamont Paris was so ticked off at being picked last in the SEC. Like, usually you just kind of shrug your shoulders and, and you know, kind of let it go because it is what it is. But he, he was genuinely upset about, you know, being picked last and, and took it personally. And the player said the players should take it personally. And, you know, they went from really, really young last year to really, really old this year. And that's that's extremely helpful. But they also went to – much more talented uh, uh, across the board. They may not have Gigi Jackson or, or a player of, of that skill set, but they got some some darn good players over there, and they play fun basketball to watch too. I mean, they make shots. They have a they have a ton of guys making shots. It's not but just one or two who can who can really fill it up. They all you've got scores everywhere on the court. 
that is a welcome development after years and years of not being able to throw it in the ocean. Uh, a lot of the teams that Frank had, and before Frank too. I mean, this is not. I've often wondered. Even the women don't that shot it that well till this year. I, I kind of got to the point, John. I was wondering about the rims and at the CLA. <laughs> uh, but then I then I realized well other teams could come in here and shoot seventy percent of the field so it's not yeah, they, that you know anyway yeah, they don't just put the lid on it for the home team uh, you gotta you gotta be able to you gotta be able to shoot it John will let you run on that note uh, uh, first and foremost happy Thanksgiving uh, I, I have no idea what your plans are on Thanksgiving Day but w- whatever it is I hope you get a day off because you're the hardest working dude that yeah, we know in this industry thanks for uh, everything you do man. Uh, two things, two things. I'll after giving y'all a hard time of taking taking Labor Day off. I think y'all can take Thanksgiving off. Now that one, that one seems fair. Uh, fr- Friday too. Are y'all going to take Friday no, off? We'll be on no, the air. No, we're, we're, we're doing Black Friday. I think we did it. We took Friday off last year, but it was just me and Phil. <laughs> are you Are you going to stay at three hours? Or are you going to go from eleven to one? Stay at three. Okay. We're twenty four hour marathon on Friday, John. Right up to kickoff. No, we still, we still like, like like me and Teddy Hefner did that one time. I was part of Teddy Hefner's Carolina Clemson marathon. Uh, at, oh, uh, Doc, Doc's barbecue, man. One year was at Doc's oh, barbecue. That was great. One year it was a flying saucer. One year it was at Doc's barbecue, but. Uh, yeah, like, like, oh gosh, we went like seven to seven the whole day marathon. So. That and I, I love the Arizona tip off trophy, the, the championship belt. <laughs> I, I thought that was great. <laughs> thought that that was unique. Why, why not? Right? Like, yeah, I mean, you know, like that, that. I thought that was, I thought that was incredible. Well, well done, those guys. Yeah, I so appreciate you guys having me. Happy Thanksgiving. Hey, we're thankful Thanks, for you. John. I'll hit John. you up soon, man. See you. Thank you. There you go. Great, John Little. Time for a uh, timeout. Some bull news to get to, coaching news, and plenty more. Don't go anywhere. Inside the Gamecocks will be right back. Down here in the South, we don't always see eye to eye. While our taste in college football teams, or what sauce, if any, goes best on a rack of ribs, or what to mix with our Dixie vodka might be up for debate. We can all agree there's nothing better than a Southern tailgate. And like our favorite college teams, our ingredients come from small towns and big cities. They're grown in Southern soil, are crafted by Southern hands, and proudly represent the South in our backyard and beyond. So raise a glass of Dixie Southern Vodka to celebrate being made in America and raised in the South. Welcome to Palm Casual Patio Furniture. Because we are the factory, Palm Casual has the ability to offer the highest quality outdoor furniture paired with world-class service. Since 1979, our factory showrooms have done our best to make the buying process as easy as possible for our customers. Our understanding of the many factors that go into your decision has helped us create our 30-day trial period that increases the level of comfort our customers feel during the shopping experience. Visit us in Somerville and online at palmcasual.com. Gamecock owned and operated. Michael Campbell arrived at South Carolina in 2003 after growing up in Virginia and was dubbed the Winchester Rifle by Gamecock's great Tommy Moody in the broadcast booth. He left in 2006 a legend. A career 315 hitter and 20th round draft pick of the San Diego Padres, Campbell was first all-time in games played at bats and triples, second all-time in hits with 299 singles and total bases, third all-time in doubles, top 10 in runs scored and RBI, 
and he hit 31 home runs in his career for the Gamecocks. Now he's passing his knowledge to the next generation through his business, Soup's Swing Shop. If your son or daughter wants to improve their game, Soup's Swing Shop offers virtual lessons. Mike will connect with you, diagnose your swing, and create a special game plan to help improve it. Call him at 859-414-8240. Email soupsswingshop at gmail.com or find them on social media and on the Chief Sports app. Soup Swing Shop. Play ball. Welcome home. That's what the Gamecocks say. And so does the Barn Doe Company, where they can build your dream home starting as low as $160 per square foot. If you live in the Carolinas, Georgia, or Tennessee, their turnkey process takes just four to six months on average and can be custom designed by size and details. Make your dream a reality. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barn Doe Company. Gamecock. Owned and operated. Thunder. Feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. 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 Feel the thunder. Lightning and the thunder. 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 Feel the thunder. Every time I watch that clip where he runs away from Mississippi State's defense, you just sit here and, you know, somebody is going to be excited to get Xavier Leggett in the NFL. But he's got four more quarters to play in Williams-Brice Stadium, and he's going to look to make the most of them. Real quick here uh, from Brad, uh, he doesn't have Carolina in his bowl bowl, uh, updated bowl rankings or whatever right now. but if the Gamecocks beat Clemson, they will be going to a bowl game. And Brad says it is likely the Liberty Bowl. However, the Music City Bowl would be in the mix. No. Dates for those. The Liberty no. Bowl, 3, 3.30 on the 29th. Music City, 2 o'clock on JC's wedding day, the 30th. Uh-huh. Yeah, the 3.30 is going to mess me up, too. He's got a rehearsal dinner at 5.30. I'm calling Don Ramon's Cuban restaurant and make sure they got a TV in the private dining area. They do, I think. I think I've seen pictures. If not, two we'll, o'clock on the wedding day. Well, I don't know. We're getting married at what? We're getting four thirty. So we might be getting married around six if this thing kicks at two. Look, and I can't believe I'm that guy. Jesus. Uh-huh. I mean, I've. Got to win this weekend a, first. I've told a lot of smack about, but I mean, I, you know, I, I looked and I was like, well, the only bowl in the Music City Bowl never invites South Carolina, ever. They've never played the Music City. Uh, they've taken terror. They've taken Kentucky teams. Carolina's beaten the snot out of over Carolina and sent Carolina to Memphis. I mean that that uh, there's the, the, something about that bowl and the Peach Bowl. They do not. They don't. They're not interested. So uh, I like the Liberty Bowl matchup. Could be West Virginia. Yeah. Um, Shane Beamer, I would venture to say he's probably not a West Virginia fan because being a hokey, you know, because those schools really don't like each other at all. Um, so that'd be kind of interesting. And, and uh, 
Uh, West Virginia, South Carolina, I think it'd be the third time they've met in a bowl game. Of course, Carolina's first bowl win ever was against West Virginia 94 CarQuest Bowl under Brad Scott. And then the first, the ACC championship team, the 69 team, I think Bobby Bowden was coaching West Virginia at the time. They lost in the Peach Bowl 14-3. to uh, I, saw, I talked all that crap about the Peach Bowl. The two championship teams Carolina's had, ACC in 69, SEC East in 2010, both went to the Peach Bowl. Well, weird. Isn't that weird? These very – do you guys like the very, very random statistics that I come up with out of my brain? <laughs> These are delightful. Would, delightful. Would you, like, would you like to touch my monkey? I like it. <laughs> That's just from Sprockets. Remember Saturday Night Live Sprocket, Dana Carvey. <laughs> Now's the time on Sprockets when we dance. Dana Carvey, Mike Myers. That's great. Anyway, uh, we talked about undefeated quarterbacks against Clemson. There's three of them. Um, and there may have been a one off here if I'm missing it. The guy that went one and oh, if that's so, I'm sorry. But three of them that come to mind Shaw Garcia and Tommy Suggs. Never lost mm-hmm. to the combined yeah. seven and oh against the Tigers. Yep. So those guys are heroes. I <laughs> <laughs> uh, also wanted to give a shout out to the South, the mighty sound of the Southeast. Okay. I don't think we've ever brought them up on this show. But the mighty sound of the Southeast will be in the Macy's Thanksgiving Day Parade for the first time ever this year. No, that's in 2024. 2024. Well, why are they talking about it on social media then? That's a uh, they, it takes yeah, a year's worth of fundraising to get that many people to Macy's. You got to march over the homeless encampments and stuff. Like yeah, New York yeah, City too these days. <laughs> There's a little more, a little more traffic to, to. All right, so I'm sorry. Well, congratulations to them. Anyway, <laughs> if, if we're here a year from now, remind me. I brought, gave him a shout out last year. So no, we we'll put that in the year. notes for November uh, 20, uh, 20, 3rd was, of 2024 <laughs> to remind me to congratulate rolling, them. R- roll into the future a year. Right, Let's do that. Minutes. We're good. Um, so, uh, all right. So, Anthony Carey, people keep asking about him. I know he decommitted from Michigan State. Look, everything I've heard is it's a no go. There would have to be a change of heart, uh, and I, I don't. Th- I think they feel they have plans at running back. Okay, so they're not. This is not desperation time. I, I know for fans it seems that way because it, we all get impatient, right? But uh, there's. I, I would be supr- very, very, very surprised if Anthony Carey is a part of this class. Running back from Tampa also wanted to give a delayed shout out to John Carter of the chat box. His youngest has been accepted to the University of South Carolina. So another yeah. game card. Uh, that's, what, that's, what, that's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen, right there, life. And yeah. uh, and that's special. And um, I am so, so happy. Uh, Cameron Fountain comments, tells Phil Kornblut straight up, he's sticking with Southern Cal. <laughs> I, I don't think anybody's buying it. Um, you can't just discount that he said it, but... I don't put a lot of stock in what kids say directly these days. I appreciate that people get quotes from them. And I think Phil does a fantastic job just doing it and putting it out. But, you know, nobody I've talked to has been like, oh, yeah, he's going to stick with Southern Cal. Uh, And Steve Wiltfong has a piece up on the Big Spur right now kind of hinting about a flip. So uh, maybe I think when you're a young man and you're in that situation and you're trying to it's hard to say no sometimes and you don't want to be like, you know, disrespectful through the media or, or like, 
you know, draw a t- like, you know, you don't want Southern Cal's coaches going, what'd you say this for? What'd you, you know, blah, 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 blah. Uh, you probably just want to handle it like you want to handle it. So we'll say, we'll see what's happening. We'll see what's happening. And uh, yeah, and that was on Sunday. And he, he did say leaning South Carolina on Thursday. Um, I, I know the, you know, the potential NIL for him here is, is pretty, I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's SC level, but it's up there, and uh, I don't understand. You know, I mean, I, I just don't know that I would walk into that situation uh, with Lincoln Riley and, and the, the premium he puts on defense out there. Uh, also, there's going to be a new coordinator. Also, there's lots of rumors Lincoln Riley may just say screw it and go to the NFL. So, and that can lead us into talking coaching changes or whatever. But uh, uh, and I, I look. I'm not trying to recruit the kid. I don't do that. The kids can make – heck, Southern Cal is a very attractive place, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, again, there's there's some tent cities out there now. There's nothing. But uh, it's, uh, it's 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 fine. I'm, I'm not saying, oh, he, he needs to – I don't make – I don't pretend to know what is best for a young man and his situation. But I, I am saying from a football standpoint, you know, there's a – it's closer to home, but there's also a little more stability here uh, in terms of Beamer and the emphasis that is placed on defense in the SEC uh, and all that good stuff. So anyway. Uh, you think on the, on the fountain situation, I wanted to ask a question on that too, on the fountain situation. Cause you've got, like you were saying, you got corn blue saying he's, you know, no, um, I'm good. I'm staying. And then Wilt Fong feels like he's coming to Carolina. You really feel like he'd make a bold statement like that to Phil here locally? And then, no, I'm not coming. I'm a man of my word. And then signing day, all of a sudden he's inking with the Gamecocks. I don't know. It seems. I've seen kids do like kids do that that, that actually have pretty high character. I mean, you know, they, uh, I mean, uh, I, I don't know. I, I, I don't, these are kids and, and they're, they're, they're 18. And, you know, I, I had a different way of wording things without thinking when I was 18, 17, you know, and uh, I, I don't know that a kid that somebody that's that age really understands what you're saying when you say, I'm a man of my word and, you start talking about like that and who you are at your core. Um, yeah. So, uh, I, I, yeah, it, it, it sounds great. You maybe saw it on TikTok or something or, or, or <laughs> yeah, some of the, the, all the ways the kids learn to talk and stuff, but uh, it, it's just not, it's just not something. Yeah. And then Lucas says, remember DJ Braswell, he didn't have Carolina in his top four. <laughs> Yeah. And I started calling around. I was like, I hope this doesn't set a precedent, you know, but uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens. So It's 12.56 here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll get into some coaching stuff out there and um, plenty on the rivalry game this weekend as well. Uh, if you've got anything, make sure you put it into the chat box and we'll try to squeeze it in when we can and make you a part of a fun conversation. It is Thanksgiving week. It's the greatest week of the year, all of you, throughout the week. And certainly let us know your point. Are you traveling? Are you going to be home? Are you the chef? Try your turkey. Turkey is 
Five. Eight. Oh. What do you do? Is it raw? Do you just eat raw, raw turkey? Some people do. Oh, oh God. Oh, man. Oh. There's nothing worse than raw turkey. Ooh, I've good. never had raw turkey. I can only imagine. We'll get all of that in over throughout the week. Two hours down. One to go. We're powered by Electric Bikes of Charleston. And always live from the Sinorama Studios. ITG will be right back. Chicken cock originated in Kentucky, like so many other bourbons. And so the resurrection of it, you know, Paris, Kentucky, that's the county seat of Bourbon County. So much of this whiskey was being made in that Bourbon County, put on ships and barges and shipped down to Ohio, down to Mississippi, and got to New Orleans where it got distributed all over the world. And people kept saying, well, hey, I want some more of that whiskey from Bourbon County. And so that's how Bourbon Whiskey uh, got its name. And Chicken Cock originated actually in Paris, Kentucky, which is today Bourbon County. If you're in the upstate of South Carolina and are in need of residential real estate services, Cindy Bass Searfoss of Caldwell Banker Kane is for you. Ask her about the village at Creekside, all of her listings in my hometown of Spartanburg, South Carolina, right there on Daniel Morgan Avenue, married to a lifelong Gamecock fan. And many of our listeners have already bought homes from her and been 100% satisfied with the detail and care she uses. Cindy Searfoss, 864 414-5271, Caldwell Banker Kane in the upstate for your real estate needs. Building your dream home is often just that, a dream and sometimes a nightmare. But at the Barndo Company, they commit to quality and build without sacrifice. Customization, open floor plans, limitless flooring options, maintenance-free and easy insulation perks, and affordability are just a few reasons why they've been named one of the best builders in the U.S. Believe in your dreams. Visit thebarndominiumco.com. That's thebarndominiumco.com. The Barndo Company. Gamecock owned. Gamecock operated. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find the West Columbia location, or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. With a little love and some tenderness, we'll walk upon the water, we'll rise above the mist. With a little peace and some harmony, we'll take the world together, we'll take them by the hand.
it that way on Saturday night against the Clemson Tigers. Final hour here inside the Gamecocks, the show built by the Barndoko. Welcome back, Phil, JC, and JB here until 2 o'clock. Thanks thus far to both John Whittle and Pat DeMarco for uh, joining us on the program. Short week, of course, with us being off on Thursday. Shane will have his press conference tomorrow, though. A healthy football program coming out of the game on Saturday night. Uh, hoping to get to carry on Joiner back out there if they can this week as well. Maybe have another lineman or two who could possibly play and maybe more. We'll see. Who knows? But, uh, but um, we'll find out. We will. Uh, later on this week. We are going to find out, certainly. So we'll see. Just got a text in from Mike Morgan, who is, uh, and he's talking about the New Mexico State game. And uh, he's on the flight back from San Fran, texting away, listening to the show. So shout out to the Morgs. And uh, he said, Auburn got caught in the kill zone. And he's like, trademark that for the 1,200 fans that show up to New Mexico State football games. Yeah. <laughs> that's a, The kill zone, baby. <laughs> oh yeah, War Eagle, man! I feel bad for all. I have a, I have so many Auburn friends, right? And I'm like, Wait, you I, feel I, bad for them? I, yeah, and I, I so, see, I don't have a side. I have like many Not Auburn me. fans and more Alabama, many Alabama fan, friends too. I mean, I don't, I don't really pick sides in the Iron Bowl. I like them both, but that. It, to take a loss like that after, I mean, that is a roller coaster, man, because you're up at the top. The birds are singing. You're, you know, you're sixth in the SEC power rankings all of a sudden. You blew Arkansas out of the water. You're getting better. You play Georgia within a touchdown this year. It's just the first year under Hugh Freeze. Your roster is limited and you've had success in spite of that. And then New Mexico State comes to town and beats you by three touchdowns. Well, I mean, <laughs> they obviously, there's no question what what the Tigers did. They they, they pooped the They're bed. just looking right to the Iron Bowl. I mean, they, they were just going to walk and, in and win this game. And they've done this on Sunbelt Saturday before. I mean, like I said, Jacksonville State took them to overtime. I think they struggled with Mercer a few years back. They've, you know, this is this Auburn's been living dangerously in these types of football games, and it finally bit them, boys. It finally got you, didn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Boy, there's, there's, yeah. That's a pretty pretty wild scenario. Matter of fact, it was it was a good Saturday of college football. I'm not sure how much everybody got to see if you were tailgating or what you were doing before the game, but overall, this past weekend a pretty good weekend of a lot of uh, around the country. Michigan, we talked about it last week. JC, I remember I asked you. I said, do, do you, "Is this a game where they could be? Uh, you know, need to be careful." And you said one word, yes. And you were right. The uh, Wolverines hung on by seven. Uh, Washington, bare, I thought Oregon State was going to win the game. Uh, and uh, Washington, after being up 22 to 10 at halftime, couldn't score in the second half. And uh, the Beavers, they almost able to pull it off, but they couldn't get it done. Uh, Texas with a nice win on the road. We mentioned Missouri hanging on earlier. Louisville uh, hanging on down there in Miami to go to the ACC championship game. All of a sudden, by the way, on that note, that is not a slam dunk for Florida State to run in and just win the ACC title now with Jordan Travis being out the rest of the season. Louisville could realistically be your 23 
ACC champions, and I don't know one soul on earth who had even spoke of their names before the regular season I, yeah. and continued to win. I, I thought in the back of my mind, JB, they would be a team that could, you know, could get to seven, eight wins this year. And, and because Jeff Brom is just such a good coach and he's home. I mean, he is Mr. Louisville football. It's like Steve Spurrier going back to Florida. I mean, that's, that's the deal. Uh, The guy won a division title at Purdue. Uh, I remember a few years back, Ohio state was number one in the country. They go to Purdue on a Saturday night and just get waxed. Now at the same time, he was inconsistent and, and, and it has reared its ugly head this year for them. Uh, he would lose like to Toledo at home or something <laughs> at Purdue. Well, they lost to Pitt. How did they? Pitt's bad this year. I mean, how did they lose that Pitt game? That, that's been their only loss. So, uh, and, and if I'm a Kentucky fan, I'm dreading this Saturday because UK has rubbed Louisville's nose in it for the past few years. It's in Louisville. They've got an awfully good team. They're not going to really be – I don't think for a minute with Jeff Brown coaching them against their rival, they're going to be looking ahead to Florida State. Mm-hmm. So, boy, oh, boy, that's that's a, that's interesting. You know, Florida Graham Mertz got hurt for Florida too. So, yep. I'm curious. I don't know what his status is. Maybe somebody, somebody could tell me. But, um, you know, if Mertz – they don't have anybody – I mean, that, 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 like some guy named Max Brown – behind Mertz, and he did okay. He hang in there against Missouri, let a scoring drive and all. But, you know, with two backup quarterbacks, I think the advantage maybe turns back to Florida State without Mertz playing for the Gators. But we'll see what happens with his status. So, um, oh, yeah, very interesting weekend, you know. And, and I'll just got to say this A lot this of too. close calls. A lot of close calls. Oh, yeah. A lot of close calls. Uh, like Kansas, Kansas State. How about that? You know, Kansas almost – I mean, that would have been an upset theoretically, but uh, just a four-point loss to Kansas State at home. Uh, a, a close one there. i tell you what, Utah, you know, with the issues they've had at quarterbacks this year, got – how about the season Arizona's having? Eight and three. They thumped hmm. the U this week. Crazy. Thumped Utah, yeah. They've had a lot of big wins in Arizona this year. By the way, Phil, get rid of this Rod G clown in the chat box. We don't put up with stuff like that. Yeah, what what is that? That's what is just, that even uh, about? So somebody that's, trying to that's insane. You know, good God. Get rid of this clown. Goodbye. Good I'm not even gonna <laughs> dignify what he said. Broken yeah, collar burger collarbone for Mertz, so he's out. So yeah, he's yeah. not gonna play. No, so you, yeah, you've yeah. got Max Brown versus Tate Rotomaker. That's a good take, Rotomaker. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and FSU still got a good deal. I don't know. Yeah, it's in the swamp, though. I mean, it's, it's, that's, um, and, uh, you know, Florida beat them two years ago to keep, keep them from going to a bowl in the swamp. That game was for a bowl, and Florida beat Florida State with an interim head coach, uh, who, by the way, is now the interim head coach at Mississippi State. Great. Right. And, uh, so so that that was and then last year's game in Tallahassee was was close. I mean, it was 45-38. The Gators gave them a game. So, we'll see what happens. But that's uh I think JB to your point. This past weekend was interesting, but it set the table for a lot this coming weekend. Like it was yeah. almost a, a table setting weekend, I think for this weekend and championship weekend. Because Georgia and Alabama, that's going to be a classic. Georgia's now yeah. won 28 straight. It's a record that nobody's ever won 28 straight in the SEC right. until now, and it's Georgia. So, 
you know, everybody wants to talk about Georgia passing Alabama, and I've been hesitant to say that. They win this game. I think it's fair to say we're now living in a Georgia world instead of a Bama world. Well, there's, there's real. I mean, to your point, from what just happened this past weekend, there, there's, there are only four conference championship games that are all that are set to go. Uh, you've, you already mentioned one of them just a little while ago, um, with New Mexico State and Liberty Conference USA title game. That's who's going to play for it. And I think we had even mentioned that this past week that the their New Mexico State's game at Auburn this weekend, of course, meant nothing for that. So Liberty and New Mexico State, they'll play on Friday, December 1st for the Conference USA Championship. The other title game that's on Friday, December 1st is the Pac-12 Championship on ABC. Washington's in it, but but we don't know who's going to be in it with Washington. They're still, they still got to figure that out. The Ducks sit there at seven and one. Arizona is right behind them at six and two. So everybody's praying that Oregon, you know, finds a way to win the game, and then you get a rematch of Oregon and Washington, uh, which would be probably the more than likely the most competitive ball game. At least that's what I think. After I just got done saying that, how good of a season Arizona's had. You got Miami and Toledo. They've already qualified for the MAC championship game on Saturday. Uh, December the 2nd on ESPN. JC, you hit the nail on the head with Georgia, with Alabama, and then you got Louisville and Florida State. Every other title game has not been decided yet, and that includes the Big Ten because Iowa's in there. Who's not in there is either Michigan or Ohio State. And, of course, they'll play early on Saturday to determine uh, who's, who heads to it. What a disappointment. My boy, the believe has been this year at Illinois. And, they had Iowa on the ropes and lost. I mean, because uh, I think Northwestern would have slid in uh, had, had Iowa lost. But, boy, Iowa, one of the nation's worst offenses. Oh, Rolling man. into Indianapolis yeah. with an elite defense without question. But, man, I mean, against one of those two juggernauts. Uh, oh. and, and, th- and this is why everybody's doing away with divisions. I don't like doing away with divisions. But this is why, because that, that weekend's such a big TV weekend, guys. And and you do the divisions, you're going to have an Iowa-Michigan type of deal, or like mm-hmm. a lopsided deal. Uh, or, or a couple of years ago when Clemson would play Virginia or Pitt or whoever. Um, you do the top two, you're guaranteed a good matchup, even if it's a rematch. So, like, think about it this year. Um, we would be in a situation with the Big Ten this year, fellas, where the Ohio State-Michigan game would mean nothing, really. Yeah. Because you got to go play them again the next week. Yep, that's right. Right I back mean, to back. You know, back to back. I mean, that was – and that's that's what I don't like about it is, you know, sometimes these rivalry games you play at the end of the year end up being the two best teams of the league. Sometimes Alabama and Auburn are that way. You know, so you're going to play the Iron Bowl and then just play it again. And you're not going to worry. I mean, I don't know. I don't know, yeah. man. It's interesting. I, I agree. Look, we a couple months ago this conversation came up. In like ten or fifteen years, somebody's going to come along and they're going to go, "Wow, there's twenty, there's twenty teams in this league. Why don't, why don't we have divisions?" Oh, you know that sounds like a great idea, Brian. Well, how about what do you think about that, Todd? I think that's a splendid idea. We should do that. Why didn't we do this before? Well, we did for forty years. Oh, shoot, didn't have any idea. Okay, well that's a, you know, it'll, it's going to come back at some point. It's going to have to, um, because uh, things. As time goes on, you know, you get tired of seeing the same old, same old, same old. And, J.C., when you have those when you have those problems you just mentioned, which 
there will be a conference or two that will have that scenario unfold multiple times. People are going to go, this this is getting ludicrous. We can't have these guys play and then turn around and play within two or three weeks of each other again for a conference championship game. Uh, so they'll go back to divisions, and then it'll all change. And then 100 years, we'll have done this four or five times. I'll be I, I think you flip it back. And I think one thing you do is you, you get creative. You got to get creative when, when you have that many teams. Um, and if you're the SEC, if you're going to if you're going to do what what you say, and stay at eight, and flip seven every year, what what I would do is just redo like assign divisions season by season. In other words, <clears throat> you know the teams that rotate on are all in your division or, or something like that, or the teams you play. And I mean, I don't know, because. Uh, it's almost like pool play in a turn baseball tournament. And then you go, okay. And then these are the top two, um, you know, and you just change you change the groupings every year, but you still have, well, this side and that side instead of top two. And I think that could avoid some of the night. I mean, I don't know if it's a nightmare, but it's, I mean, you're going to diminish the iron bowl big time. If those two, if it doesn't really matter who wins that first one. And it's all about what happens in Atlanta the next week. I think, especially in Ohio State, Michigan, especially, you know, that's, that's tough. Do you see that, you know, as these conferences get bigger, I mean, are we talking about like little mini playoffs for, you know, conference champions and then, you know, like like that idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I like, see what I like, what I think should happen is this. It's got in the, the big 10 during the pandemic was kind of on to something. They had like, their championship weekend, they said, okay, we're going to do a championship game. But then we're going to have, you know, number two from the West play number two from the East, number three play number three. So it was almost like a, like everybody gets an extra game. And you could do that for like a semifinal Saturday in the SEC. Um, and, then, and then everybody else is just playing in another conference game, just like normal. Uh, you just don't know who that team is until the season starts or until the week before the game. Um, and you play it, you know, whoever's got the best record, you play it at home or whatever. So it's, it's a bonus game. And, and then semis, and then you go to Atlanta the next week. Uh, I think if the league gets any bigger than 16, that's what they should do. Uh, but I think it's going to be a, a long time before that. So, JC, I want to get to something that you mentioned earlier too, the App State-James Madison uh, game that, this past weekend. So App State is now one four in a row. They go up there, they beat James Madison 26 to 23. Coastal Carolina and App State, for those that haven't been paying attention, although they've got had down years by the record from what they've been doing over the last, you know, six or seven, it's seven and four. Both are five and two. Now Coastal did beat App State earlier in the season. However, this weekend App State will welcome Georgia Southern to town. Coastal has to make the trip to James Madison. Although that may not look as daunting as it once did now that the Mountaineers have gone up there and knocked them off. So if App State beats Georgia Southern at home, they're they're going to win. I mean, if uh, if Coastal Carolina beats James Madison on the road this weekend, Coastal Carolina, no matter what App State does, will win the East. If they fall and App State wins, they'll win. And then they'll take on Troy in the Sun Belt Championship. Now, Going into the weekend, James Madison, of course, was in the top 25, undefeated the whole nine yards, couldn't qualify for a conference title game or for a bowl game because of the NCAA rules. And 
I, I, you know, I mentioned this last week, and I'm glad I've seen more of it from from some folks. I saw Derek the other day posted something about it on on Twitter. I think it was. Look, they knew what the rules were before the season, as we pointed out the other day. If you look, I get it. I understand why you're why you're frustrated, but if you wanted the rules changed, then this all should have been addressed a while ago. Okay, and all of a sudden now they're undefeated and everybody's in an uproar. Those are the rules. Like that's those are what they're. I'm not saying I like the rules. But those are the rules, right? They knew what they are. You can't just go undefeated through 10 games and then all of a sudden come up and say, hey, well, this is ridiculous. You need to change the rules for us. Well, no, I mean, if you want to change the rules, as the NCAA pointed out, again, although I don't like the rule, get all the universities to change the rule because they're the ones that have the power to be able to do that. With that being said, like I've been a – I know I'm in the minority on this and there's going to be some who don't like that I'm – that I'm saying this, but I'm going to say it. I'm a fan of college game day. Okay. I like the show. I know what they're doing. They have gone more to an entertainment model than an information model. I know why they did that. It's pretty easy to figure out, you know, when you've got a bunch of competition, I am one of these people that does like Pat McAfee and what he brings to the table from an entertainment standpoint. When I wake up on Saturday mornings, I want to feel good, and I like watching that show, and I, and it's fun. It's funny. It makes me laugh. You know, I have a good time watching it. That's just me. I know a lot of people disagree. That's fine. I did not like that they spent the first five minutes Saturday morning cursing at the NCAA on national television without using some sort of logic. I get where McAfee's playing to the crowd and all that. Y'all see all that? Playing to the crowd. Well, how could you not let this in? How could you not let this in? Yeah, but, I mean, like, were we going to do – like, would you have done that same thing before the season? Right? Like, the rules were the rules. We knew what the rules were. Nobody wanted to address the rules before the year. And, would you know, would anybody have been addressing this if they were just six and four? And in bowl season, instead of being undefeated, it wouldn't be getting near the coverage. It only was because they were, they had that zero at the end of their record. That's the only reason it got all the heat it got. So, uh, to your point, you picked App State to win, and you were right. I didn't think they could do it. Uh, it that moment was too big for James Madison on Saturday. We saw it. It was too big for him. App State, they've had a lot of those moments over the years. They've had no issues walking in and beating people, including the Gamecocks. Uh, so, they were ready for it, and they got it done. And I hate to say this, but I'm really just glad that it has just shut that whole thing up. Like, I was tired of hearing about it. I was tired of hearing about it. I understand. I don't like the rule. But if you want to change the rules, then you need to change the rules. You don't just wait till it's convenient to start complaining about the rules. If you want to change the rules, then address it and change the rules. I agree. I mean, that's what that's what, that's what you should do. I think it is sort of a. I don't know. It, it, the explanation for why the rule is in place is stupid, right? Like a lot of the NCAA rules. Yeah. That said, Things you're right. Made. I mean, it, it doesn't, you know, it, 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 you knew that going in, right? You knew that going into the season. And, you know, we have a lot of outrage today in society. And, and, and I get it. And, and look, I, I, I feel bad for the James Madison players and, and all that you know, because they've had a good year. Like, they're going to a bowl, though. Like, here, here's the bottom line. There's not going to be enough 6-6 six and six teams, most likely. Uh, and those guys are going to a bowl. 
I mean, because they've already said, well, if there's not enough, obviously you guys can go play. And so, yeah, I, I don't, you know, I, I don't know. It sucks. They probably won't get to play for the Sun Belt Championship, but it sort of is what it is. So, I don't know, man. I think, uh, uh, I think, uh, I kind of agree with you and all that. And I understand the entertainment aspect. And McAfee's grown on me a little bit, but I'm not a big game day guy. I don't. I don't get up on Saturdays and watch games. It'll be on the TV sometimes. Now, Nat likes it because Nat's a Lee Corso fan. She loves Corso. But uh, I yeah. just don't I, – I, it's just not – you know, I, I'm just kind of waiting for the games to, to get there. You know, I'll get around on my phone, look at the latest lines and news and all that good stuff and have some brunch or something. And then uh, once noon or 11 in Chicago gets here, I'm – I'm tuned in, but game day is just not something I've ever been a big fan of. But I'm not a sports center guy either. I, sports center in the morning gives me a freaking headache. I can't, I can't listen to it. Yeah, I, 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 yeah, I think that. Uh, look, I, I wish it was more of the informational. The inform. I wish they provide the information that they used to provide. But I, I enjoy the energy of the program. You know, they, they they're. You got you got Davis now walking around beforehand, and he's you know doing selfies and handing out donuts, and they, you know it, it is it is turned into a this is going to be a two three or a three hour hype show, and we're just going to get people all fired up and have a bunch of fun around here. You know I I do think a lot of the conversations they have are very surface type conversations, and I certainly understand you know why they play to every crowd that they play to. All shows do that. Even the guys at SEC Nation do that and things of that nature. There's an entertainment aspect. You can't put it on TV unless it's entertaining. We can't do what we're doing unless we try to entertain people. You can't just sit here all day and read a book of stats. Like, you can't just do X's and O's the whole time. But you do need to have more, in my opinion. So I, I like them. You know, I enjoy that. I, I miss those days when, when game day isn't on. I wish that I, I wanted to bring it back a little bit. And I understand why people don't like Pat McAfee and things of that nature. I'm just not one of those people. But um, but opening up that program the other day and spending five minutes doing that and, you know, using the language they're using and this, that and the other McAfee was, I, I think that they need to they need to get that under control. That that's that wasn't good for anybody without telling the other side of this. thing. Why don't you invite a member of the NCAA on and have a conversation about it? <laughs> Why not? Right. I mean, don't do, or do we need to hear the truth or do we need to hear someone's version of the truth? And I think that ESPN screwed that up. So, you know, I, I didn't like that. I was glad to see App State win the game, and it just stopped that entire notion and narrative that, that, you know, the NCAA had screwed all this up. These rules have been around. If you want to change them, change them. But you can't complain about it all of a sudden when you look over and you got a goose egg in the lost column and decide that we're going to rally the troops here because this is what we deserve and get the governor involved and make this big spectacle. That's just a bunch of hogwash. You knew what the rules were. You didn't do it. So that's on them. And I, I think it's funny. It was like you, you're never going to get the NCAA to come on after a display like that. Like you'll you'll never be able to have a civilized conversation with them because they'll they'll be worried that that's exactly what's going to happen. They'll be ambushed. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, yeah. so yeah, you kind of just killed that dead in its tracks. Yeah. Yep. I agree. I agree. BRC said ESPN eliminate sports, push narratives. A lot of us got into that, unfortunately, but um, that's where yeah. we are. Yeah. And here's the thing, too, they're trying to do a sport with um, game day. They don't. All right. So have you guys tuned into an NFL pregame show lately? 
you still got the yeah. same guys, Bradshaw and all those guys. Unless you are just you eat and sleep and breathe the the game, the NFL game, it's it's boring as hell. I mean, it it, it honestly is. That you know, no matter how many times they'll roll Frank Caliendo out there to do, I mean, because they're a bunch of ball guys, and 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 and, and you know. And, and on the college level, the Fox pregame show is kind of like that. You know, you got Urban Meyer. It's ball. It's all ball. Uh, and so if you're into that, you may like the Fox one better. But I think what ESPN is intentionally doing, because game day still is the best. I mean, it's the it's the most known college uh, pregame show. I think they're trying to steer away from that. They, they don't want it to get just like rigid and, and just all about business and all they still want to have that entertainment aspect Corso's getting older you know so whereas he used to put on his helm you know he just puts on the hat or whatever it doesn't add much to the the commentary herb street who i know there's mixed opinions about is probably the only guy actually breaking things down desmond howard long ago to me lost credibility as far as like yeah. his, he just says stuff to just say it i mean i don't even know how much homework he does um, yeah, they got rid of David Pollock, you know, it was excellent. Uh, he was, was excellent. excellent. Yeah. I mean, Reese Davis is a really good host, I think. Yeah, he um, is. He's the know, best in the business. Yeah. I mean, he's unbelievably good, but, um, so, so they're kind of, they're taking that in a different direction. And I, yeah, I, I think sometimes in, in being in the media business myself, different is, is sometimes better. I mean, because you, you, you're gonna, you're gonna give people, you know, a, a clear choice you know, to make, and, and you're not going to fall into the NFL pregame trap. I mean, and after the ratings on those NFL pregame shows are out all through the roof. Don't get me wrong. It's good TV, but it's just, it is like watching paint dry. It is just, it is just, and look, and, and even with personalities like Jimmy Johnson and Terry Bradshaw, and I, it is just not, it's just not something I like to, I mean, you know, I, our friend Tim Brando, I think, used to host NFL Today on CBS. It was much better back then. You had you know, Jimmy the Greek making <laughs> making bets. Remember Jimmy the Greek yep. uh, and those guys, Brent Musk. I mean, you know, uh, it, it's just a lot of like former players that are good on TV. They're just they, they just taught the game. And 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 like I said, it, with the college game, I'm so, I'm kind of into that because I'm a college football guy. NFL, I'm just like. All right, how many more times can we talk about this game? It's going to probably end up twenty-four to seventeen, regardless. You know, <laughs> they're not all that the, Now that yeah. now the NFL's boring by any stretch. I mean, yeah. believe me, had a hell of a Bears watch experience yesterday. So, uh, <laughs> unfortunately, they blew a big lead. But uh, it's not boring to watch it. But I think it's a little boring to break it down. I, I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe it's just me. We got to break this down into a break, though. It is one. 30. We'll get more into the Tigers and the Gamecocks when we return on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Hey folks, it's JB, and as we all know, it's football season. My favorite place to shop for myself and the family is Gamecock Traditions in Lexington. They have the widest selection of Gamecocks attire, plus all the cool accessories for tailgating, cooking, kids, shoes, hats, and so much more. Most importantly for me, you can order online at GamecockTraditions.com, and it's shipped timely to your door. I've been shopping here for years, and I hope you will too. Order online right now on the Chief Sports app. Go Gamecocks. 
Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. If you're on Medicare currently or approaching eligibility, it's time to enroll in a Medicare plan that meets your needs. Palmetto Medicare is here to help you through the process. Palmetto Medicare's owner, Brian Spencer, and his team of experts are here to assist you. Learn about the benefits and enroll in the plan that will cover as many of your medical costs as possible. Some of the advantages of Medicare health plans may include variety of plan choices, increased benefits, lower premiums, and more. Give Palmetto Medicare a call to discuss your insurance and help get the exact coverage for your needs today. Nana's Porch, nanasporch.com. At Nana's Porch, they cater weddings, parties, and all kinds of special events. Their meals are served buffet style in seconds. They're encouraged. Plus, they can bring their mobile food unit to bring on-site and serve your guests as a unique alternative for your catering needs. Inquire about rentals as well. Nana'sPorch.com. Find them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. 336-259-7550. South Carolinians, this message is for you, as well as for people in Georgia, Florida, and Tennessee. If you think you may need work done to your roof or a new roof altogether, there's one simple name to remember, Elite Roofing and Restoration. South Carolina native Jeremy Johnson has been helping people in the South make sure they have the very best people checking on and building new roofs for over 25 years. Fully licensed, bonded, and insured, they provide the best service possible. Call or email today, 678-781-1998. That's 678-781-1998, or you can go to EliteRoofing.com. GA.com. Schedule a no-hassle free inspection today. Wind damage, hail damage, or just wear and tear. Don't settle for second best. Let Jeremy Johnson and Elite Roofing and Restoration take care of it all for you today. bet whatever dollar you've got in your pocket that there will also be one cigar in one of the pockets of Spencer Rattler if he's able to pull it off again this Saturday against that team in the upstate. He'll probably light another one up before he 
gets out of town and gets the Gamecocks to six and six. Speak of light, speaking of lighting it up, more than likely that's what's going to happen tonight at Colonial Life Arena. Uh, South Dakota State, the poor Jackrabbits have to come in and take on the Gamecocks, who've scored 10,000 points in their first three games if Carolina wins. The women, the combined record between men's and women's basketball and football in November will be 12 and oh. All right. Uh, so, look, here it is. You know, we're going we're gonna to talk about this game every which way that you can. Every which way that you can this week. Um, but I'll, I'll start with this. <clears throat> you, outside of um, – uh, y'all help me out here. Outside of two or three, maybe, maybe, maybe another one or two. It's very rare where you walk in and and Carolina has the clear better quarterback than those guys. They might be close. Like, remember when Steven and Taj were going up against each other? Man, that's a good little matchup there. You know, Gamecock guys, they, Gamecock fans, they, they they like their guy. Everybody like loves Steven. The Clemson guys, they, they love Taj. Okay, makes sense. Connor, similar situation. Gamecocks had a football team, but you know you can make you can make an argument back. Kate Clubman's a talented kid. I'm, I'm not sure. Is there really any argument of who the better quarterback is here, Spencer Rattler or Kate Clubman? Is, is somebody going to ever try to make that case? Because I don't think he can make it. No, you know, it's not even not even. And it's nothing against Cade at all. No, I don't mean that disrespectfully. Just, uh, that's not what I'm saying. It's just, uh, it's, yeah, I know. I mean, it's just a Spencer. Look, Spencer's going to be about a second-round draft pick. He's going to go to a team, and he's going to get on the field early in the NFL, and you're going to see him do very, very well at that level. He's – he's what's happened to him during his career, coming to South Carolina, taking some losses, having struggles, Number first of all, with a harebrained scheme last year. Uh, and this year with all the offensive line issues and, and, and weapons missing and all that, what's happened to him is, is better, has been better for him uh, as a future pro, in my opinion, than if he just stayed at Oklahoma and lit up a bunch of bad defenses. As far mm-hmm. as getting him ready for what's the reality of the NFL. Because the reality of the NFL is you, you're gonna, you're, you can have a good team and go to the playoffs and you're going to lose five games, right, or six, sometimes seven, you know. And so the ability for him, I think, to to because when you're used to winning all the time, uh, and winning's nice, and God knows, I wish he'd have won more at South Carolina. We would have won more. There won more games, but it didn't happen. But when you're you're winning all the time, you're in a system that's just really kind of chunk it up, chunk it all at the air raid or whatever. When you're playing teams that don't play good defense, what you do don't in the Big Twelve. Um, then you get to the pros. That's that. There's very few Patrick Mahomes types that can go in there and make that adjustment, right? And I think Andy Reid adjusted to Patrick a lot too. But Spencer, having played, you know, through a bad system, having played through all the injuries on the other line, played through, he just plays through it, uh, and, and toughed it out, toughing it out like this. It's going to make him a better pro quarterback than, than, than even somebody that wins all the time. That's Put up gaudy numbers in a college offense, and Dowell Loggins has coached him up 
to to where he's he's reading the field so well, like he's not going to have as much of a learning curve as some of these other guys. And so that that's my prediction for him. And I think the adversity and stuff has actually set him up better for a pro career than had he stayed at Oklahoma or or gone pro after like let's say let's say he hadn't gotten beat out by Caleb Williams and Oklahoma goes to the playoff or whatever and he's the number one pick two years ago. I think he'd be struggling still right now. I right. think right. I think after what he's been through at South Carolina, he's ready. Uh, you know, he, he's much more ready for that that level. And you you can see it. You can see how he commands the field and all that. And so going into a game like this, of course, you want somebody like that at quarterback. He's now and he's now fifth all time on the passing yards list for South Carolina. Uh, we've been talking about this for a couple of weeks as he's climbed the ladder. He got it this weekend. He bumped Connor back to sixth all time. I'm. I'm sure Connor gladly will give that up uh, if he can continue to throw for a bunch of yards. Now, he ain't going to catch Jake Bentley because uh, he's going to need 1,400 passing yards this weekend to get to Jake at number four. And I don't think he's going to get 1,400 passing yards against Clemson, but I hope he does. Um, but, um, but yeah, so, you know, he's really kind of started to enter the record books. And, and, J.C., to your point, you know, he's done it. Like, look, look at everything that he's had to work through. Um, you po- you pointed out the all the the OC issues last year, and then you know you talk about the offensive line issues this year. I mean, it, it's just it's crazy. Two offensive court, two offensive court. I mean, technically, he's had three offensive coordinators in three years. He went from Oklahoma to South Carolina, or, or, yeah, under Satterfield, and then now under Dowell Loggins. Four, so, if you count the bowl, the Gator Bowl. Because well, that's true. Marcus was gone. So, yeah, that's I mean, a, that's a lot. That's hard to do, man. Even that Gator Bowl game, guys, you know, Carolina sitting there with how many guys out injury or opt outs or whatever. Uh, Notre Dame had their obvious was missing their their former starting quarterback and, and their t- star tight end at the end. But I mean, Notre Dame had a lot more of their people than Carolina did. And, and you saw what happened. That game was electric. It was one of the best bowl games ever. And it's because it's largely because Spencer. And Xavier Leggett, you know, making the magic happen. So, I mean, even a game like North Carolina, as disappointing and crappy as it was, I mean, the guy lit them up. I mean, yeah. he, you know, so I, 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 you know, having Rattler is an X factor. Having Rattler at home is even more of an X factor. I know the offense picked a crazy time to have its worst game uh, at home, and Clemson's defense is better than Kentucky's. But at the same time, you know, uh, I think there's maybe some opportunity for Carolina to get some guys back healthy and, you know, bring more, bring more weaponry into the battle, so to speak, uh, against the Tigers because they're definitely going to need it. And then the good news is South Carolina's playing defense right now. And if they can keep up playing defense at that level, that's good. I would rather JB and Phil go into this game with South Carolina going, ah, it's going to be tough to score, but yeah, I think the defense can have some, some success stopping them. Uh, I'd rather go into that than, than, than like an 18 when it didn't matter what Jake Bentley and Debo Samuel and, and Shai Smith did. Right. You know, there's no way Carolina's not didn't stop them the whole night and ended up losing uh, a game that, you know, felt better than most of the losses, <laughs> uh, yeah. but still was, was tough. I mean, that was, that was, a, that was tough. Cause you, just, you, you were, the, the defense was just helpless. I mean, Muschamp was literally rolling out walk-on DNs because they didn't have anybody. Right. You know, talking gutted with injuries. So, I, with Clemson specifically, I would rather have my defense right going into that ball game 
which North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Georgia Tech, all three did not. Um, then, then to be in a situation where you're gonna you got to go outscore them because you know if their offense is scoring at will, you know their defense is too good to to rely on the Gamecocks win matching that winning something like a 52 to 45 shootout or, or, or something like the Florida game, yeah, even the Mississippi state game. I mean, it, it uh, you know, it, it, I, I like the way it sets up with Carolina getting better on defense than I, than I would otherwise. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, the, this is going to be Shane will address it tomorrow. And this is going to be the, you know, the, the narrative throughout the week, the talking point and, and rightfully so, I mean, Clemson, they, they, you are going to have to. I, the word stop, I think, gets overblown sometimes. I don't know that you can always just quote stop it, can, but you know, slow down, um, speed bump, hang up, whatever it is. The run game is, is, it just is. It's the key. It's the when they're running the football well, that Clemson offense, when they're running the football well, it doesn't. Cade Klubnick can throw for 200 yards. And you might look and go, well, this guy, he's only throwing for 200 yards a game. Yeah, but where, where are they getting those yards and how are they getting those yards within their offense? And that's what's important. That's what's important about that offense. You know, y'all know, you know exactly what I'm talking about. So, like, if, if Klubnick has to run out there and throw it 40, 45 times in the game, that's probably a really bad sign for Clemson. And hopefully that's what we'll see this weekend when it comes to South Carolina. But if he's out there and he's – having to chuck it around between 25, 30 times, 30, maybe up to 35 times, that means that they're probably running the football the way that they want to, and he's able to move the ball through the air the way that they need him to to put points on the board. It's a, it's an interesting offense with Garrett Riley. In saying all of that, I'm saying that to lead into this. Here you go, JC. Here you go, man. I mean, look, there are external factors as in, like, the youth and health of your football team and things like that, but – this is it. You go back to last December or whenever it was, December, January, whenever it was, when Dowell Longin signs on to come at Carolina and Garrett Riley ends up at Clemson and everybody's freaking out over it. Well, you get to see him on the same field, calling plays on Saturday. So, we, you know, fair or unfair, we're all going to get a good look at these two guys, both calling plays, one from the sideline and one up in the booth and Coach Loggins. And, and those are the two guys that all the fans – Talked about all in the offseason. How did they get him and we got this guy? Well, at the end of this game, depending on how things kind of unfold, you know, you could be really happy that you've got one guy or you could really wish you had the other guy if that's what this thing comes down to for you. So that's a that's a neat component in all this as well. Yeah, and I think I think Garrett and, and Dowell have both had good years, all things considered. I mean, Clemson's wide receiver core and uh, – Bo Collins apparently is hurt now too. He's their outside guy from California that caught the big slant against uh, Cam Smith last year for the Tigers. Um, their their receiving core is just not set up to 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 be the air raid type of, of deal that, that they really want. But yeah, he's kind of found his way, figured it out. You know, uh, again, it's turnovers. Um, it's uh, you know that, that that's been one of their big issues. Uh, and, and turnovers put their defense in bad positions. And, and just like when Brent Venables was there, th- this is a defense that can really dominate you, but they're also a momentum D. Like, if, if you – and there's holes in it if you can find them downfield. And we've seen that time and time again. So, if Rattler's on and he's hitting the holes downfield and throwing it over them, uh, 
I've seen Clemson's defense not be as good. But when if they're sacking, if they're just if the door is shut on the run game, you, Mario can't get anything going, and it's a bunch of second and 11, third and 12s, and they're pinning their ears back and getting to Spencer, it could be a long night. So there, there's all kinds of scenarios uh, in any game like this. Uh, but, um, yeah, I'm with you. You get to see Dowell versus uh, Garrett Riley. Nobody's even talking about that. No. <laughs> yeah, as much talk as it – I mean, as much as it happened. I mean, I had, I had people like – Canceled their Carolina Rise membership last year after Garrett Riley got hired at Clemson. Oh. <laughs> How about that? It was, it was just one guy or two guys, but I'm like, man, you know. So um, it's just crazy. So I, I don't know, uh, but uh, we'll we'll see what happens um, Saturday. It's certainly uh, you always talk about opportunity. It's a big, big opportunity for this program to to flush. Uh, what's been a disappointing season uh, to date, you know, and, and to turn this disappointing season into one of uh, uh, one of one that becomes an example of perseverance, an example of culture, like Shane Beamer talked about, you know, an example of progress because you beat Clemson, you're still progressing. You still, and really there's, it's been some progress anyway. It's the third year. Sometimes things get bad, and you can't deny the injury situation nor the schedule. Uh, but there's progress. You know, that's, that's probably you beat your rival two times in a row. You turned the Kentucky series around. You beat them twice in a row um, for the first time in ten years. Uh, you uh, you know held serve against Mississippi State. Uh, obviously, with all the injuries, you've gotten a lot of young players, valuable playing time. A guy like Emory Floyd that played a whole lot last week, you know, he's coming along at corner, and you're going to need corners next year. Uh, and you get back to the postseason, everybody takes a deep breath. You go hit the portal, you hit the recruiting trail. They got a good class coming in, uh, and, and you move on. But uh, but this game, there's no, no make no mistake about it. It is about opportunity for this program and. A lot of times during the must-champ era, we would come up on one of these games, these opportunity games, right, guys? And the team would fall flat on their face. Mm-hmm. And under Beamer, it, it, I'm not saying 100% every time they've gone out one when they've had an opportunity game. But there's been more times than not they've been prepared, played really good football, and, and taken advantage of said opportunity. Carolina's going to look to do that on Saturday, no question. Right now, it's no loss November. It could turn into the, quote, November to remember for Shane Beamer if they can get it done. Final timeout of the afternoon as we go to break. What do you call a beautiful woman on the arm of a Clemson fan, JC? Uh, His mom. A tattoo. Hang tight. Final segment. Coming up next. The preferred sign partner of Gamecock Athletics is Signorama Columbia, and they should be yours too. A full-service sign company that handles design, production, install, and service, Signorama Columbia has helped to bring to life the perfect vision for so many all across South Carolina. Owned and operated by proud Gamecock alumni, they can handle all types of signage, including interior and exterior, vehicle graphics, and more. Go to Signorama.com and find a West Columbia location or call them at 803-407-9284. Bring your brand to life with Signorama Columbia and go Gamecocks. Charleston Fitness Equipment is keeping South Carolina in shape. 
Clients have come from all over the Palmetto State to find that one piece of equipment that they enjoy that keeps them looking and feeling good. Whether it's a home rower, treadmill, elliptical, free weights, a home gym, or something else, Charleston Fitness Equipment keeps the mirror smiling back at you. Get in shape like the Gamecocks do. Visit charlestonfitnessequipment.com. Gamecock owned and operated and proud partners of Inside the Gamecocks, the show. Cool Joe here. And when I'm not eating average jambalaya or celebrating endless summer in Destin, I like to eat pimento cheese straight off the bucket. Mmm. And the only pimento cheese I like to eat is from Nana's Porch. It's award-winning. It'll melt in your mouth. It's good on a cracker. It's good in a bowl. It's good on a piece of bread. Also, don't forget Nana's Porch has a hell of a food truck. It's award-winning as well. And they're here for all of your catering needs. So get online. Nana'sPorch.com. It's mm-mm good. Coach O signing off. In the summer, go Tiger. For chicken cock, we get a medium to medium plus toast, the char level. We use a number three level char. If you char it too deep, you start burning away some of those flavor components that you just created. If you just char a barrel and you don't toast it, you're going to create some of those flavors just on a thin layer just inside the char, but not the actual depth and full extent of flavors uh, that you're going to get if you toast it properly. All those elements, that's exactly what they do. They boil down to great flavor. If you're in the real estate market in the low country or even in the Midlands, please contact me, JB, with Coast to Coast Realty SC. Go Gamecocks. This break is presented by Billy G's Carolina Barbecue, the state newspaper's 2023 winner for best catering, best barbecue, and best food truck. Visit BillyG'sCarolinaBarbecue.com for all of your catering needs. Ladies and gentlemen, here it is. Final segment. It's Monday and it is Thanksgiving week. I, I this is my favorite week. Uh, the Wednesday night, by the way, before Thanksgiving is my favorite night of the year. I love Christmas Eve too, but it's as a parent clearly takes on a little bit of a new meaning, as we all well know. Uh, the a little bit older you get, so Thanksgiving Eve, you have nothing to do. I, I'm a huge fan of the Saturday Night Live Thanksgiving special. If you ever, if y'all have ever watched that. You know, whenever they don't insert politics into it, the Saturday Night Live Thanksgiving special is hilarious. And uh, I don't have to do anything on Thursday morning except for wake up and smell food. And this year we get to host our family. Uh, so it's um, it's the best so you're, best you're week gonna, of the year. You're going to have a honeydew list a mile and a half long, dude. If you're oh, I've already done I've already done it. Mine was all oh, you got ahead of the game, huh? I did it all yesterday. I'm done. Proud of you, JB. Over. Proud of you, buddy. Got it out of the way. Got back from Columbia yesterday. Took care of everything. Done. Feel like some chicken cock and Dixie vodka are on the the the, the buffet for Wednesday right. night. Yeah. That's good. That's good, man. I appreciate it. I gotta go to the store to get some. Phil yeah. is a cook, though. See, Phil cooks. Yeah. 
Yeah, my uh, Wednesday night looks a lot different than that. It is because uh, I, I got I got with Phil last Thanksgiving. I called him. I was like, "Brother, how am I gonna?" Because we did these Cornish hens, right? <laughs> right. <laughs> the Cornish. And I was gonna brine the Cornish hens, but they're too small, and uh, we ended up just we ended up actually just putting them in the oven, and they were delicious. They were good, but there's wasn't a lot of meat on that bird, right? And so because it was just Nat and I, we were just here, so we. We were cooking Cornish hens, and so I call I call Phil like the Tuesday before. Hey man, how, how do I do? Give me some brining tips and uh, and all that. But Phil Phil does the whole nine yards. I mean, he and Dina get after it, but Phil is the lead on that. So uh, his his Wednesday does look a little different. Oh, yeah, and it's my favorite uh, favorite holiday favorite holiday. So I leave nothing to chance. I control it from start to finish. Well done. <laughs> we host. Well done. Yeah. I, I am too old to walk away from a disappointing Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> no, I agree with that. Uh, like- we I don't have to worry about it. Luckily, our family, everybody's uh all pretty good in the kitchen. So but we always have there's always that one family member. You know who it's gonna be every I don't know about how y'all's family is, but we know how it is in our family. There's one family member every year. She's that's gonna be the first to ask about uh, leftovers and and then when it comes to taking those leftovers there's nothing left over from the leftovers <laughs> you know like well She's you know got a tupperware in hand wait, baby wait some of us want to you know uh can i can i keep the rest of no we made that are you sure that you're gonna take yeah, the whole right. thing? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, all right well, that's why some things i intentionally just make two of like there's there's always I like I intend on extra because I know some of it will leave. And then there's the things that I'm like, well, I'm perfectly happy eating this for the next three days through the weekend. So I wanted yeah. to be at the ready. So do yeah. you are you a uh are y'all a uh are you a uh a, a cold turkey sandwich guy post Thanksgiving like the next day, make a cold turkey sandwich? If it's available, oh, yeah. yeah. Or I'll I'll put that bad boy on a couple of pieces of bread. And with leftover gravy and make an open face. Oh, yeah. Eat it with Absolutely. a fork. Yeah. No question. Heat, heat it up. Sometimes not, not, maybe not even the microwave either. Maybe in the oven. I mean, it's mm-hmm. got a microwave stuff sometimes doesn't taste right to me. But uh, yeah, definitely. If, if it's available, we will do it. I mean, we had turkey. We, we cooked a turkey two years ago. And I still think it's, I, I think it's in the deep freeze somewhere. I mean, it, 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 was, it was just endless, <laughs> endless turkey. <laughs> And the oven didn't work. We had our old oven. We got a we got a swanky one now. We got a double oven now. But uh, poor Nat, her mom came over, and then it was another two hours before the turkey. And then then before we we didn't let it sit before we sliced it, and so it wasn't all the way done. So we had to put it back in, and, and the sides were already done. But we only had one oven, so how do you keep it warm? Still, we managed to have a good meal. I mean, it's still a good meal. That's before I moved the studio into the dining room table. So we won't be doing that this time. There's no place for anybody to eat. You know, we all kind of eat in the den or something. You know? yeah. Uh, but yeah, right here where I'm broadcasting live from, we had a we had a nice little Thanksgiving. And then the next Christmas, we went over to her parents and uh, we brought a brought a brought a honey baked ham, which is uh, I know we all love honey baked ham here on the show, right? Because of Mike Cisco, right? And he owns honey baked ham, uh, and that was delicious. That was unbelievable. That was a big hit. And that was yours truly. Uh, I like just on a, on a whim. I just pulled into the store. I was like, we're getting a honey baked ham, and we got one. You, you know, I used to, I used to every holiday season 
it was as long as I could around work. I mean, we started doing it when we were in high school. Um, we would get asked to do it. So if, I guess you could say I've done done this over 20 years. Um, I would go in and glaze all the hams for them. I know the, the magic behind all this. So I, I was as glazed during the holidays. All the I can't give away the secrets. And that's I don't care. It's good. That's all. That's all I know about honey baked hams. It's good. I'll let Mike know. This is on me. I'm hot take here. Not a sweet glazed ham guy. That's okay. That's right. Yeah, I like my ham to be a bit more on the savory side. Well, you know, so here's the crazy thing. I mean, although, yeah, like Mike owns it. And we get honey baked from them all the time, but uh, I actually smoke a ham, my own ham, generally because we do our, our we do ham and turkey on Thanksgiving. We Both? Just, yeah, we do. I mean, we have thirty people to feed, you know, so we do Jesus. ham and turkey, and <laughs> and um, so I I actually smoke it. I smoke my own. He he doesn't care. He's like, that's great. I get to save money. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't. Yeah, I don't go in there and like. Oh, no problem, man. I'll pay full price. Absolutely not. You've been my best friend for thirty years. You will give me a discount. <laughs> so I, I have to bring up something. Big slam a jam of said the text because it's hilarious. Yeah, I saw that. This that can't and be then real. There's that it's one real? family member who brings deviled eggs with cinnamon on them. Uh oh. What kind of communist BS is that? What was paprika? <laughs> <laughs> did they? Did they think it's paprika, or did they? Or is it just a really She's old and got jars mixed up. It's like, <laughs> G- G- Jesus Christ, she wrapped up the cat. You know, yeah. I was about right. to say, God bless, dang, God bless, man. Big slam of Jemma's just doing some daggum truth here, man. I, who, who in the world? My gosh. Poor Craig. These guys are all over Trayvon Dunbar. Guys, there's nothing we can do about Trayvon Dunbar. They're not offering him. You know, I'll speak for JC. His opinion is that it's, he's a good player, and uh, but they're not offering him. Yeah. So, and uh, oh, and brew and barbecue. I'd never, uh, I'd never block you. You're like my one of my favorite chat boxers. That'd be the stupidest thing I'd ever, I could ever do. I would never block you. I'd probably miss some of your questions because I'm trying to look at my mic when I talk so you guys can hear me. So I, don't, I haven't gotten – I don't have my eye on the chat box as frequently as maybe I should. So I apologize for that, man. You're my boy. Y'all all are my boys. Great show today. Mike hey. Morgan's going to tell a story tomorrow, too, about the Clemson Carolina Marathon. So What, what is oh, the difference? Time. Hey, Phil, what's the difference between a Clemson cheerleader and a catfish? No clue. One has whiskers and smells, and the other's a fish. <laughs> oh my right. God! I was gonna make a Stockholm syndrome reference on the other one, so I'm glad you said that too before that came out. <laughs> Stockholm syndrome. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, hey Phil, how do you break a Clemson guy's finger? I don't know. How do you break a Clemson guy's finger? Punch him in the nose. That's wow. good. Uh, you, you know, I get nervous when these start flying around, right? I know you're obviously a consummate <laughs> professional and are going to yeah, let some of these come in, like, but you no. know what? The two of us are going to, you know, we'll let a, you know, a, a blue ant come out of our any, mouths quick. 
and, and any Tiger fans that think I'm just some jerk, I promise you, it's all in good fun. I've got <laughs> Carolina ones too. We'll tell those later on. <laughs> oh, what a well done, Harrison. We're out of time. John Whittle. Or, uh, thanks to John Whittle and Pat DeMarco. Uh, tomorrow is Tuesday. Hale McGranahan and Mike Morgan here on Inside the Gamecocks, the show. We'll see you then.